What's up, Veteran Gamers? Andy here. Hey, I'm breaking in here before the show. Um, show's a little late this week um, by a couple hours, but we had something special happen. Uh, we had contacted Jeff in Control Robinson earlier this week to see if he would agree to be on the show to talk about what happened at the London GT, and he agreed to go ahead and do that. Um, so we really thank him for coming on the show. It happened this morning, the day it was supposed to release. We got to it. We figured we'd drop it in the show today. So... Um, We'd recorded the whole show already, but we didn't know it was going to happen, so it happened, so we dropped it into the back end of the show. If you're just looking for the Jeff in Control Robinson interview, go ahead and jump ahead to the two-hour and eight-minute mark. Um, that's about where you will find that audio. Um, but we do, of course, um, invite you to enjoy uh, us for the rest of the show, uh, but that's where you'll find that. I, I just had the, I had the whole idiot, the whole episode cut at that point. All I need to do is drop in this, this audio, so if you're looking for that, go ahead and move ahead, um, but... Uh, other than that, enjoy the show. Just fucking look at the codex. <laughs> What's up, veteran gamers? We are back with another edition of the show that drinks beer, rolls dice, and talks shit. Yes, we do. I'm your host, Andy. And, and I'm, I'm Jordan. Bye, Ray. Yeah, I said I was Ray. Yeah, you preempted me. Whole yeah, I don't know. Spiel. You're always changing up the fucking intros, and I don't know <laughs> what the fuck's going on. I'm trying to keep it fresh, man. Yeah. The Rated Murka <laughs> fucking podcast. Uh, so we've got a big show today, um, and we're going to have a special surprise dropped into mid-show. So if you're hearing this and you're wondering why, we're going to apologize ahead of time. Uh, this show's going to be a couple hours later than usual, about three to... Actually, closer to four to five hours later than you usual. You should be talking in the past tense. Uh, it's this going show, to, yeah. this show is. This is, yeah. <laughs> we'll record ahead of time, release on Fridays. I'm breaking the fourth wall here. We're recording on a Wednesday, we release this on a Friday, but we're going to have a special guest on the show. I'm not going to give it away. Um, if you're on the fucking Facebook page, you may know who it is. You may have a surprise. So, you may, so if, you're not on, if you're not on the fucking Facebook page, get on there. There's a lot of shit talking going on there. There's a lot of, there's sometimes good discussions. Yeah. There's good memes that get put up. And, yeah, uh, there's bullshit that gets put up too. So. Yeah, so I appreciate all the all the uh, the action on the Facebook page. It's actually a lot of fun to get around to. Um, but gives me it, something to do in between stoplights and stops at my work. <laughs> That's why I, re- I reply really fast. <laughs> so if you know if Ray's replying, he's stopping at a stop or he's taking a shit or taking a shit. Yes, yes. <laughs> if you get a long response, taking a shit. Just, just you know, just saying. Because I mean that that goes. In life, though, like, I think all you guys know that are my friends that if I'm immediately responding to you, I'm taking a shit. But I'm I think, on the toilet. I, I think that's a, well, yeah, what am I going to be doing? On the ground? <laughs> oh, short arms. Short, short arms. Hobbit, Hobbit arms. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in today's show, 
of course, we're in the intro. We're going to have some shout-outs and some of your voicemails. You guys have come out big with the voicemails, so we're going to some, share some of those. Um, Ray wanted to circle back around to Necrons, some Dark Eldar, some Harlequins, and uh, we'll do a little Death Watch as well. Uh, then we're going to have some after-action review and maximum effort. And then, of course, our special secret surprise. Uh, so first off, uh, getting to the show news. Um, Holy fuck. The can? It's different, right? The cup. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we'll start right there. What are we drinking? A cup. Uh, we're drinking out of a cup. That's a can. And actually, this is a good segue. Um, good friend of the show, Jesse Rodriguez, hooked us up with some beer. Um, I asked him for some beer recommendations, and he dropped some of the stuff off at Gamers Arsenal. Um, I drank this during the recording with Frankie. Um, not this variety, but another one. But this is the Mike Hess Dynamic India Pale Ale. The can is very unique. Yeah. You pull the whole top off. The whole top of the can comes off, and it's more like a cup than anything. It is definitely a cup. It, you picture the canned fruit and how you pop the thing and you just pull it off. That's what you have for a beer. That's mm. what it is. Or mm. a tuna can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. a tuna can. There you yeah, go. There you go. Tuna can. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, but very tasty at the same time. 7.5. So we'll be drinking this throughout the show. I'll let you know what we think at the end, but I already, I'm already, I'm already at about, at about 6 PM yeah. <laughs> on, um, on Wednesday. <laughs> Alcoholics attend meetings, Ray. Okay? Wait, wait, you already said we recorded in the morning, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> but speaking of Jesse, uh, Jesse Rodriguez, friend of the show showed up big and has become a patron of the show. So, Sick. Yeah. Nice, man. Yeah. So not only beer, but now beer money. So now, yeah. He's he's all kinds of... He really likes the show. He's all kinds of hero right now. He's all types of screwed up in the head, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you listen to this show, then yes. <laughs> well, I mean, if you listen to your show, you're kind of like on the edge. You're kind of like kind of getting your foot out of the closet. But then like if you subscribe or what is it called? Patreon? What? what? Patron. Patron. If you become a patron, you're definitely certified screwed up in the head. Right. So welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the Screwed Up Show. Screwed Up Club. The Big Dice Club, as we like to call it. Yeah. But you're a little screwed up. Everything has a label. Um, But if you want to join Jesse Rodriguez, um, the Big Dice Club, you can do so on our website, uh, vgrpodcast.com. In the podcast, there's a big red button that says become a patron. You can help out the show. All the money goes into supporting and producing the show. And we we are interested to get a soundboard because you you were talking about upgrading. I'm looking into a soundboard. There's some options I'm looking at. I haven't decided yet. I mean, the Zoom player that I have is pretty good, but I'm always looking to increase the quality of the show. Yeah, but I want I want like sound effects. Would be cool. <laughs> then I could have something to do during the show. Well, then we'll have to hire like an engineer to sit here and like produce the show for us. No, I will push the buttons. It's just pushing <laughs> buttons. You just want to push a fart button. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, that would be great. <laughs> so, um, but thanks a lot, Jesse. Um, now we got you guys have shown up big um, with the voicemails. Um, so the first one we have here: people finding their balls. People finding their balls. Um, okay, so our first one comes from James Germany. James Germany from- comes from Germany. No, he's from Texas. We had it right the whole time. We did? Yeah, yeah. So Our listeners are from Texas? Yeah, That's what we're we from right? Texas. James Germany, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, James Germany has been calling us. He's, he's my uh, stage nine clinger. 
on all the time. Uh, but here is uh, James Germany now apparently lucid as fuck, apparently. Hey, guys, this is the Texas man. I realize I keep forgetting to leave my name because either I'm so tired of getting off of work and I'm practically fucking lucid. Or I'm fucked up and just straight up don't remember. But it's James Germany. Yeah, you're fucked like up. The country, yeah. and you're right. It is Texas, and it's actually a San Antonio phone number. Uh, San Jose, yeah, you're San Antonio. Calling the shit area. Like I'm that one ugly fat bitch that you fuck at a party. You're too drunk and Lex don't give her your number now. She won't leave you alone. But I got a question <laughs> I love for you, Andy. You always talk about that you got an admec army, but you never really bring them up. Is it because they're not competitive right now, or? Is it just that Tyrannids are like your first love and you've gone back to them? Or I'm really just looking to want to know what you guys think about Admech more because it's what I play and I'm looking to really get into tournaments and GTs and stuff like that. Anyway, take care, guys. Stay fucked up. Well, yeah. Uh, thanks for the call, James. I, I think most of that is, you know, it's because I keep saying that they're not good. <laughs> the Admech? Yeah. Um, I, I played the Admech last season. Um, it's an army I picked up because Tyranids weren't good back in fifth and or sixth and seventh edition. So I was looking for a change to something completely different from my Tyranids. And I wanted to play, you know, I played Tyranids. I played with like 120 models on the table and I wanted to see what it played like, like with 12 models on the table, <laughs> which can be fun. Uh, but right now with the way the meta is, it's just not ideal. Um, I went to SoCal with them and I went three and three, which was pretty good um, last year. But uh, right now, yeah, Tyranids are my first love. Uh, I'll always, they'll always be the the, the army I play. And uh, I, I promised myself earlier on, the beginning of the season, that if I just focused on Tyranids, I could probably do very well in the faction ITC-wise. So that's why I'm just sticking with Tyranids for right now, is it? Yeah, Um. there's actually, like, the, like you're saying, less models. They do suffer from high points costs. But at the London GT, you know, the great glorious super good terrain london gt um <laughs> there was a guy an american joshua death he played cult mechanicus and he yeah. did really well and uh it's not a little bit of models and he oh, yeah, used stages yeah. and mars yeah the because stages has the minus one hit which is minus one is hit mm -hmm. real big right now especially against after the faq plus the stratagem do you remember offhand what is it is that the infiltrate one or the deep strike it's the one? one where you take the electric priest with the staves and you can deep strike and infiltrate them or deep strike them you can do either or i, I thought that was i, I don't remember I think, exactly what it is i think you deep strike them but, yeah uh, so if if you're a part of bcp if you subscribe you can search on london gt and I actually subscribe now, so I can oh, good. do this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I guess since I'm a host, I should be able to look at more lists than just that weekend. <laughs> well, uh, thanks but, for contributing, right? <laughs> but yeah, if you if you are, go to London GT, search that. Uh, he was in the champions, whatever they're London champions, and you go and it's a battalion that's a you know it's straight cold mechanicus. You guys really. Well, I guess you do have a lot of allies, but it's cold mechanicus battalion detachment. I mean, he has text priests. Uh, the troops he uses are rangers, elites. He used the electrical priests. He used 19 mans, two 19 mans. Yeah. And then a uh, fast attack of Sidonian dragoons. Sidonian dragoons, yeah. Those are the chicken walkers? The chicken walkers with the stabs. It's the, chicken, chicken it's the close combat chicken walkers. Yeah, he has taser lances. He has six of them. Then he has supreme command attachment. Uh, so these are blood angels. So those are the smash fuckers. Mm -hmm. And then he has a tech marine on bike. 
that has a conversion beamer. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> Can he fix Admech shit? I think it's all Imperium. If he can, that's hilarious. Um, and then he has a Vanguard detachment, Astro Militarum. Uh, oh, and the two Smash Captains obviously have jump packs and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the standard quo of fucking Smash Fucker Captains are very fucking good. They're yeah, like they they're like the, the Eldar Altarks <laughs> that I use, but like they don't shoot, but they hit a shit ton harder. And they're really good. And can't you overwatch at least one of them because of a jump pack relic or something that yeah. they have? Um, then he has Vanguard Attachment, Astro Militarum, Shock, right? I wonder what that's for. If you're playing Imperium, you're playing some kind of Astro Militarum. Yeah, you take the tax of, what will we say, like 300 something. This one is, it doesn't have the full points of it, but it's, 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 a, it's not very much. He has Sniper Rifles. Yeah, sni- oh, he has a Legion sniper squad. Yeah, three sniper squads, and he had the Lord Commissar with the relic and the, dude, the Lord Commissar are- with the thing in the relic, and that's his warlord, so he can steal and. Dude, those are back. 21 points. Yeah, they're retarded. It's 63 points for three troop s- selections with sniper rifles. And then he has a flyer, a Valkyrie, uh, multi laser, two rocket pods, heavy bolt, heavy bolters. And then he has a Legion Company Commander, which obviously takes the I still or regain or still fucking, and yeah. he takes the relic. That's his warlord. So you got the CP regeneration. So yeah, it wasn't Mars. It was just Stygies, yeah, Blood Angels, and uh, Astromotorum. Now to uh, James Germany, right? Nah. So to to your question, like if you are gonna play Skatari and if you are looking to get into competitive. Just the nature of the beast, you are going to have to take guard. right? If you're an Imperium, you have to take guard. Yeah, If you're playing an Imperium army, at some point you're going to mix in guard. Because so go out and buy three infantry squads, get the two... It's really just like... the two commanders and just that's, you know, do the three with like... You can... you and if See, but over there they weren't playing ITC. So they didn't have like the 10 point... Yeah. There's different missions. But if you're playing ITC, do the three infantry squads with the heavy weapons team. So it drops the number count to below 10. You actually end up with nine models and a mortar per I mean, squad. this list that he had on, on for London GT is still very good for the ITC. I mean, the two Electro Priests are 219, man. So the most you can yeah. get for Reaper is two points. Yeah. I mean, it's he clearly built it for ITC. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what went on with like, because I mean, I wasn't going, so I didn't pay attention to the rules. So maybe it was like, oh, we're going to play ITC. And then they get there and they change. It. I don't know. I, there's a lot of shit going on with this fucking GT. So yeah, I just what I see on the internet. But I mean, if you would take this list and replay it, but I mean that's just reality. I guess you don't have to take the Blood Angels thing. They're a key. Like I see why they're there. They go and kill those characters. They go in and kill big uh, vehicles and stuff. Like they'll destroy those fucking things. Um, but the just if you were gonna be competitive. With um uh, uh, you will have to take at least a guard because Comicanus is so expensive, so you can't fill three detachments of battalions. You're right. Right. So <clears throat> you take the cheap battalion tax, and then it also regains, and you steal, and it's on five. So for every three command points, you'll probably be stealing one. And if you're like my opponents, they steal every one, so they end the game with still twelve. Yeah. Yet they've been using command points the whole fucking game. Um. Yeah. There's some Stygies. I, th- I I really like Stygies. I yeah. mean, I, I do like Mars, but then that kind of puts you in the pocket of like, 
or get you to play uh, the main guy. What's his name? robots and call and call, and, and that's and a call, shit ton of points. And if call's not your warlord, you're not taking advantage of all the things call can do, which you get to pick. You you roll dice and you get to pick which one you take for your, you know, uh, for your psalm. Um, so it's, you know, I, I didn't see call in there. I was like, okay, well, yeah, he's not playing Mars, and if you're gonna play. Castellan robots, you're gonna have to play Call and you're gonna have to play Mars. Yeah, and and that's a that's a thing. Like the list that Death played, um, it had a lot of infantry, had dragoons, like a lot of fast things, infiltrating minus one hits, really good, really good. Uh, also, like things can't really hide from it. As when you play against Cole Mechanics <coughs> and I see Call and robots, I'm like, cool. I bait, I give them something to shoot, so they lock down and they fucking double shoot to kill it. And then, cool, now I can just ignore it all game because right. they need line of sight. Yeah. The list that Death is using, he has, it's mo- mainly focused around the electrical, electrical priest yeah. and their infantry. So, they're as long as they can charge you, and if they, you give them one thing to fucking kill, then they come really hard to kill. Oh, they hit, they hit like a ton of bricks, too, because they have those stabs are just crazy good. Yeah. <clears throat> so, take a look at Stygies. I really like Stygies for a Cole Mechanicus army. I mean... Don't fall into the trap of call and robots. I do every yeah, time. They're really good and cool, but I don't know. They're just too one-dimensional for me. That, that's kind of like what I get well, at. That's why with, with Admech, I played that brigade because it was brand new and I was going to run it. Yeah. Um, but now it, if I was building a list, I would have a guard unit in there. So I've built a list around it that has the Castellan robots call, um, but he's not the warlord. Um, and I do the guard thing and then I mix in a whole bunch of, um, assassins. And another thing I do tell you all the time about it is that, uh, Comacanus does suffer from being so slow, at least like yeah. their builds when they first came out. This one's a little bit faster. You got the chicken walkers yeah. fast. They got infantry. So, and more board control. Yeah. And that was, so as long as you can, like it, uh, board control is very important. So you need to be able to touch the whole board and make your little zone. So people can't deep strike after turn one. Recon. You need to be able to build a list that can get reliably recon. It's, it's it's one you should have in your pocket to say, oh, I I'm not going to get Reaper this turn. I'm not going to get big game. Hunting. And I think that goes for anybody building anybody yeah. anybody building the list because well, you yeah. you could say like, oh, I'm just going to you know go old school and all this like all these kill ones, right? Right. Well, you're going to run into an army that doesn't give up full Reaper or doesn't give up like the Kingslayer is really hard to get or they don't have any Titans or like old school like you. It's not 100% guaranteed you'll kill something on the turn one. The first turn, and yeah. if you cannot get a kill on turn one, <coughs> old school is not the best choice. If you're playing Nurgle Demons, old school is probably not the best choice. Yeah. So, like, if you can't get... So, there's a twofold to the old school uh, in the ITC is that if you can't like, reliably get turn uh, turn one kill, that also means your opponent can be like, cool, he didn't get a turn one kill. So, as long as I hold my Warlord back, he's only getting a maximum of two, two points. points. And... I can react to him movements and make sure he doesn't get in my line. So now he can only get one point on his terms, right? Because he actually forces to kill something on the last turn of the round. Okay, I got one point. Is it the, That's the reason why I don't like old school all yeah. the time. And that's why it's very important to build armies that you have the option to have something that can move, like, a, like at least four units that can move and get into... Um, uh, was it behind enemy lines? Because some deployments actually help behind enemy lines, makes it actually kind of oh, easy. Very easy, yeah. Um, and then recon, like you may only be able to go fucking if it's the two corners or the two uh, quadrants in the corners. Like you may only go recon fucking behind enemy lines and do like I don't know 
like one of the kills. Like maybe he does have a character that has more than fucking eight wounds, or maybe something you can get that's three in Gangbuster on one of his units. Yeah, or, something yeah. right. There's armies because when you play ITC, people build to it, and you have to be able to to be able to score all those objectives. So is this something to look at in the Colt Mechanicus? I think there's stuff that are still good, definitely. Yeah, especially in the Stygies. So so uh, James Germany. <clears throat> Over there in shithole San Antonio. <laughs> place is nice, man. It's got a nice little river. No, no it's not. <laughs> Fucking hated it there. Anyways, yeah. Just long long look, answer look, to your short question. Look at look at Cole Mechanicus. Have your attacks of guard, and you'll you'll be pretty good. Yeah. I mean, if you just take that, like no blood angels, just just take Stygies and uh, you, are you getting a fucking phone call? No. Oh. <laughs> Her next voicemail, man. Oh, all right. Sweet. Um, well, Francisco, of course, I, in the last show, I told you how he's been drunk dialing us like (laughs) almost every day. Uh, and so I'm going to play one of his, this is a short one, but it's funny, but he was pretty much drunk dialing us the entire time with like what he's been drinking out in Philadelphia. Okay. Philadelphia is a beer drinking town. They like their beer out there. Uh, but here is Francisco, I think drunk as fuck. You eat a fucking dick. I forgot what I was drinking. I'm drinking some salty ass lemonade, watermelon, goose, salty fucking beer. It's like drinking salty ball sack. All right, good times. That's Francisco. Good times, man. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, that's Francisco in a nutshell right there when he. <laughs> He's he's literally an orc. Yeah, he is an orc. He's literally is an orc. <laughs> he's tall. Yeah, he's, he's tall. He's a pretty big dude. He's an orc. Yeah. Our last voicemail comes from our good buddy Bam from the Flying Monkeys, oh, and shit. he's got a special message for Ray. Okay. Hey, this is Bam from Flying Monkey. I'm calling for a couple things. One, I need to know what size of car seat that Ray has when I pick him up at the airport <laughs> at the Flying Monkey Con so we don't get pulled over by the cops and ticketed. I also need to know what time he's flying out of the Shire, and I also need to know what flavor of crown he likes to eat. That is all. Eat a dick. <laughs> well, uh, to your question there, Bam, I'm in a booster seat now. <laughs> I, don't, up. I don't need a car seat. It's actually against the law to put me in a car seat. I need a booster seat. Uh don't know the flight yet. And uh, Kranz, I prefer red, but I can deal with green. It's all right. <laughs> and you can eat a dick. Yeah, you can eat a dick. Uh, thanks, Bam. Uh, if you uh, if you have not done it yet, go ahead and listen to the Flying Monkeys Board Gaming Podcast. Um, they're kind of like our Midwest brothers from another mother. They're more like our shadow, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, Definitely give them a listen to. Of course, they've got a GT going on. They're almost sold out. It's become a major now. It's not a GT anymore. They've awesome. got a, a 40K major. I think they're AOS. So be my first major. first major I win. Sweet. Yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead and give them a listen. Give them a, a shout out. I'm going to go and get like wrecked every game now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just because fucking the universe is like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I was supposed to go to this thing, but some family stuff came up and I couldn't go. So Ray's going to be representing us in Kansas at the Flying Monkeys Wargaming Major now um, in Wichita, Kansas. Um, and, and if you uh, play AOS and you don't, for some reason you play AOS and you 
listen to this podcast. Yeah. I think they need like three tickets or something to be a, a major or something for their their AOS site. So check it yeah. out. Um, it's at a hotel. It seems cool. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm going. Yeah. We we can drink. It's cool. Yeah, I bought a ticket, and instead of getting a refund back on my ticket, I told them just to donate it. Yeah. To like uh, for like prize support. So I don't know if they've given it away yet, but I know they're trying to give the ticket away to a veteran or an active duty military member out there. They even said they'd accept the Air Force. That's stretching. I, I was a little ambivalent I mean. about that, and I said, okay, fine, I'll allow it because I really just thought the Air Force was particularly considered community service. But you know, yeah. you know, uh, aren't they like National Guard or something? They're worse than National Guard. These National Guard does something once every two weeks. <laughs> so um, if you know, if you're out there in the Midwest and you know a veteran or an active duty and they haven't given this ticket away yet, go ahead and nominate them. They'll be giving that away. Um, but we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be back with uh, Ray coming back around to the shit he wants to talk about. What's up, veteran gamers? Andy here. I'm here with my best buddy, Ray. Hey, what's up? Hey, and we're here to talk to you about Gamers Arsenal. Ray, tell me about, a little bit about Gamers Arsenal. Gamers Arsenal, a place to, you know, go and play competitively. You can go, you can find me there. Get some good hardcore uh, competitive games in there. Get that practice. Uh, get your AOS stuff. Get your uh, X-Wing stuff there, too. You got the good uh, X-Wing community. So our good buddy Alex, of course, opened up Gamers Arsenal for a place for gamers to be, you know, in our local community. Maybe there wasn't always space for tabletop gamers. So there wasn't always space for X-Wing gamers. But now there's space for everybody. We got space. Alex opened up space for, if you can play Magic, you can play Magic there. You want to play Pokemon, you can play Pokemon. You want to play X-Wing, you want to play 40K, you want to play competitive, you want to play friendly. There's space for everyone in Gamers Arsenal. No, if you're playing friendly, don't 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 talk to me. <laughs> Just go find someone else. Go, go find, find, go find Alex. Yeah, go find Alex. You can find Gamers Arsenal online on their Facebook page at the Gamers Arsenal. Yeah, I, I moderate that. So uh, good luck. <laughs> good luck with that. Good luck with that. <laughs> go with that. Uh, we'll hope to see you guys all at Gamers Arsenal. Until then, ladies, bag of dicks. When we record sometimes, especially if it's like a Tuesday night, Ray is just not in the best frame of mind. He's usually tired as fuck. Yeah, I work at 2 a.m., so when you record at roughly, well, we start at like 6. 6 or but, 7 sometimes. we know. drink beer, so it goes long. Yeah. Our, our, our recordings are actually way longer than what you guys listen to, which <laughs> you may be thinking, like, I already listened to you fucks for a long time. It was a three and a half hour long show. We were recording for like six hours. Yeah. So, like... I get really tired towards the end and like delusional, like really delusional. Yeah. The last time we recorded at your place, you would be mid sentence talking about one thing and then you'd start talking about work. Yeah. <laughs> you're talking about a game you were playing. You're like, yeah, I was playing this game and I'm rolling the dice. And then I went to go do my, my damage rolls. And then also the manager comes out, starts yelling me about <laughs> dropping off the load of the back of the dock. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Was your opponent the manager of the back of the dock? And then I realized you'd fall asleep mid sentence and just yeah. started got you got incoherent. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it it gets so bad, and then like my memory also becomes really really bad. So like like worse than it is now. Yeah, which is saying a lot. That's um, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so when I listen to the podcast, I listen to the podcast, our own podcast, just to make sure like 
like things are said right because you actually hear like oh fuck that was wrong and then you got to correct it on another podcast he's my biggest critic when i edit the show too he's like dude you fucked that all up I'm like what <laughs> yeah so i don't really listen to it in like a like a sick kind of way that i know cynical way i think it is it's yeah we're like i just want to hear myself talk it's more of like i want to make sure the quality of the show is at least decent because i mean i know we're a fucking like what uh fart joke type fucking shit which i love so it's no problem <laughs> but we want to make sure the fart jokes sound good though yeah and when i can actually laugh when i already know what the jokes are i i, I think you guys are laughing too so i mean that's what we want and i and i was listening to the last the, our last show and i was like man because I, I i text andy like i think like the next day when i was at work like we need to go back to it because I didn't get, I didn't touch everything I wanted to touch. I know and he's I, listening to the show. Like he's listening to the show when he's doing his deliveries and whatnot, and when he's in between stops. I know he's listening, and then when he listens, like he texts me right away what stuff he wants to like to fix or change or yeah. Or so, so I I listened to it. and I was like, oh, I don't remember saying half of these things, but I did touch a lot. <laughs> I I did touch a lot on the Necrons that I wanted to. I mean, I didn't get so much in depth of the stratagems because I mean, in reality. I've come to a conclusion Necrons aren't that great. They're they're still what is and the reason why they're not that great is because of what's out there. Like if this codex came out first and there was nothing but indexes, codex would be amazing, right? Codex, right. codex Necron. But there's other codex out there. There's, you know, all the Eldars, there's the Chaos, there's the Demons, there's Imperium, like just Imperium Codex in general just make it like kind of shine a big shadow. On this codex. All the Xenos codexes right now, other than Eldar, and I'm going to always exclude Eldar, and I've talked about this before, well, really not, suffer. We're not Xenos. <clears throat> we are the greatest race in okay. the universe. Okay. <laughs> we're in our own fucking faction. <laughs> <laughs> but I exclude Eldar from the Xenos discussion because all, the Chaos, the Imperium, and the Eldar, Eldari, you know, factions have so many codexes to draw from. Yeah, use the right pronoun, okay? Right. <laughs> Eldari, I said it. I went there. Um, but if you're a Chaos player in any variety, you have four codexes to choose from where you can pull units from, stratagems from, tactics from. You have four different armies to choose from to bring in the best of those armies and put them together in one army. Imperium, you've got it's the same thing, more than that. Well, it's it's the strength of this edition right now. When you have multiple codexes to pull mm-hmm. from, yeah, multiple rules, multiple relics, yada yada yada, stratagems, yada yada, and that because they did this care word sh- sharing and that they FAQ'd it to where even accepting sealers, Colt, um, yeah. <laughs> you guys could cross reference books Fucking. and stuff. Like it makes Imperium way stronger, Chaos and Eldari because we have so many keywords that do interchange right. with with the with our books. And then you have, you know, the actual Xenos, which are Necrons, Necrons Tau, Tau Tyranids, orcs. orcs, like, you have no allies. So, you There's have one your one book, book to pull from. And that's what you have to work with. When the other super factions, you may may call it, mm-hmm. um, have multiple books, do all these type of combos and jumps and, like, leap, leaping through hoops, like, can I can do this. And this is broken. Like, all right, well, that's gay. But all, all right. right, cool. Um, and I was saying after, and we'll, come, we'll, go, we'll get into it in uh, after action reviews, um, but I, I, I felt like right now there's almost no reason to play anything but Chaos or Eldar right now. Competitively. It, Chaos and Eldar in ITC. Yeah. 
the <clears throat> west, the east coast, you could pos- you could still play Imperium because from what I've seen in pictures, I mean, I haven't been to the east coast, yeah. but from what I've seen from pictures, a lot of their terrain is also lacking from what we have over here because over here we're supported by um, Frontline Gaming like directly. They, right. They're over here on the west coast. That their train's a little bit more lacking, the more like fifth edition train type stuff to where like line of sight isn't really there. So shooting armies, which Imperium can be really good at, um, do well. Okay. Yeah. And then when you go to the across the pond to the in, the London, that area, cross pond. Right. You have the same issue, but like the chaos is still good, but it seems like. The the Imperium does well over there as well. Yeah, you can throw Imperium in there, but I think the I think Eldar and Chaos sort of fight it out for the top slot, and Imperium is sort of right there just below them, kind of jumping up, trying to bite where, at their heels. It's kind of where Eldar Imperium's kind of always been. They've always been up there, <clears> but they like always the bridesmaid type thing. And they got hurt more with the no soup thing than Chaos did. <clears throat> Primarily Saint Celestine. It was like I mean I think Saint Celestine was the the yeah big... well Saint Celestine honestly you're not gonna really <clears throat> she's good and I'm not saying she's not good in any stretch of the imagination but in ITC sense she's actually not that great because she gives up so many in points. Kingslayer so many points right. well especially if you add Gemini's if you're a person that used Gemini's to keep her alive longer she gives up all the headhunters she gives up Kingslayer mm-hmm. and and fuck like. But when and kills in primaries. But like, when when since Celestine does what she does, she just wrecks everyone's face when she Yeah. I mean, so I think Imperium were hurt there more than anyone else. But I think and I said it this last week, and I think there's really no reason to play anything right now, ITC competitive wise, other than Chaos or Eldar. Still Tyranids but, are still good. Just there's some ma- like you ha- you suffer from the thing where some matches you have to go first. Yeah. And we were talking about that off off uh but, off mic, but but Necrons and you know they're going to suffer from that same thing that everyone else is going to suffer from who's not Imperium, Eldar, or Chaos. Yeah, you have so they don't have one these... book to draw from. And if you just work around, I know you're going to try to do this one thing. I can beat you. Yeah, so you, uh, touch on a little bit of the stratagems. You have the the Destroyer one, which is really good. You reroll hits and wounds. It basically gives you uh, guide and doom on the target that they shoot. Competitively, destroyers are very good. Are very good. You're going to play. They're very either, hard to find right either now. Either the Tesseract vaults or the destroyers. They're going to play one of those two builds. The bikes are also de- decent as well. <clears throat> the ones that you like. The, the bikes. Oh, the um. I forgot the call right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't have the codex open, but they they're they're pretty decent as well. The Tron bikes. I call them the Tron yeah, bikes. Tron yeah, bikes. Yeah. So that's that's what we're going to call them. Tron bikes. We we have uh, ghost specters. And now we have Tron bikes. <laughs> Tron bikes. <laughs> Get on it, GW. Rename these bitches. Uh, they only really, realistically, have one dynasty that's good. And like I said, it's the Merfit. I mean, I've looked at multiple ones multiple times. Like, yes, you get the other characters and the Saltec, but uh, army that doesn't shoot a lot and has high AP, you might as well make that really good and make it, you know, negative three. So basically, you're just shooting plasma fucking everywhere. Or you're shooting a shit ton of shots and you you have a minus. And having a minus compared to not having a minus is really, really big. Especially when things in infantry can interact with terrain so well. You know, when I saw all those characters were in like one dynasty, I thought that was a little disappointing. I thought they're not they're not all in it, but the important ones. The important ones are kind of mixed. Are. But if you were to if you l- dropped that keyword off of those characters 
and let them mix and match better with the rest of the builds, I thought it'd go a long way into helping that codex a lot. Yeah. Because characters, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, a prof, you know, I don't know this codex. I don't even have it. I haven't even, I, I saw bits of it. Um, but I, when I saw that, I was like, wow, because how, how important characters are to a lot of armies, how they give them their six inch bubbles to do an extra special thing. But if you, if you limit that to just one set of, you know, one, whatever their thing is. Dynasties. One dynasty. It, it, it hurts the amount of builds you can come out of that codex. And not only that, it's, it's what I truly believe is like their second dynasty, not their first dynasty, right? Like, like if Gilliman was a <laughs> fucking salamander, I mean, well, then everybody would be playing salamanders. But I'm saying like, because Gilliman is ultramarines, everybody plays ultramarines. Right. Or smart people play ultramarines. Right. It's. It kind of your characters kind of drive the army sort of, but in in Necron sense, I don't think it does because Marfa is so good. Yeah. Now, I wanted to get into the. I didn't cover the Seaver because, like I said, tired, drunk, a lot of issues going on. Memory problems. Memory problems. Yeah. yeah. You guys got to remember, I was blown up, and I was actually grounded for a month, but they didn't tell me why. So I'm assuming I had some type of damage going on. What do you mean in Iraq? Yeah. Okay. When I got blown up, freaking, they grounded me. They're like, you can't leave base, and you can only work at the medical area. I'm like, all right. And I was a security guard, basically. So, you had a traumatic brain injury. I guess. <laughs> Which you weren't starting off very well to begin with. Yeah. And then you add a traumatic brain like, no injury. No stretch of the imagination before <laughs> being blown up was I ever a genius. <laughs> But I did start having memory problems after. Um, but Deceiver. So one thing, the one thing do Necrons do do have going for them is that the FAQ came out and all their little tricks weren't really like Necrons didn't really have a lot of deep strike already. Right. right? They used either transports or special rules from characters to do their shit. Mm-hmm. Now, when the first FAQ dropped, there was big fucking crying going on. So they it did hurt them a lot. But then it was clarified that as long as you start on the board, you still leave the board and come back and do all your tricks. You know, like the Blood Angel shit, jump off, come back. So the Deceiver is very unique, uh, which honestly, I think if you're playing a Necrons, get a Deceiver, get a model that represents a Deceiver. Um, he, I 100% believe that he is like a must. You start you start your list, Deceiver. All right. That's 250 points. Gone. And I'm playing fucking... I've got 1,750 points to go. <laughs> yeah. You're playing a 1,750-point army I'm at and the Deceiver. And it's not even that bad because, I mean, he, him stand alone, right? He's not He's not bad. He's a character. Nine wounds. He fucking moves faster than most Necrons. Um, he flies. He... Mm, shit, that might be wrong. Put fly in quotations because <laughs> I don't have the fucking... In the, I don't have the codex You're fucking me. up your correction. Yeah. We'll have to correct your correction next time, Ray. Just fucking look at the codex. <laughs> it might have fly. It might not. It looks like he. I mean, the model is literally in the air, so he should have fly. But a hey, there is GW, so it might not. Anyways, so so the, so to the, so the round out this segment, just go look at your codex. So we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be. No. <laughs> <laughs> look at your codex. Fuck, Eat a dick. Fuck you. Fuck you. Um, anyway, continue. <laughs> so he's I'm by himself in the same box. He has four pinball. <clears throat> He can do the mortal wound powers of their one. He can only do one. 
but, but they don't have a lot of more. They don't have a lot of more wounds. So any type of mortar wounds is really good. You know, you could do the twenty-four inch one. You could do eighteen inch ones. There's, I mean, you could you could pick. And if he's the only one in your army, fucking pick the one you want. There's no reason why not to. He's also a, a monster. He can so he can't go into ruins, but he's still not the best in close combat. He's not the the Nightbringer where he he's like shreds a couple more people, right? But he still hits pretty decent and good. That's just just him alone. But the reason why you take him is because of his special rule, which I don't know what the fuck it's called. But you roll a dice, and on a D three, you move one, two, three units. You redeploy one to three units. Now, this is kind of like a super infiltrate because you still get to see who goes first, but then you roll D3, and then you get to move one or three units more than 12 inches away from any enemy unit, not, which, is fantastic. which is not in your deployment, anywhere on the board, like 12 inches. The better part of it is if you are going first, you can deploy super aggressively, and then fucking you get to move after because it's deployment. It happens before the game starts. Really, really, really good. I mean, for Lynch Guard, if you want to use them, I I like Lynch Guard with shields. I, they're still really good because I think any army should have some type of way to interact in those whole phase. Yeah. You can't just build armor. I'm gun line. <clears throat> cool. So what happens when you get charged? And now you I, can't I shoot. lose. Yeah, I know. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, every army has to have some way, a character, some super badass character that attacks a lot or fucking, like, not all my armies have dedicated uh, close combat units, but I have wave serpents, and yeah, they don't do close combat, but I stop close combat. Uh, right, they're they're units, screen. and and they that's how I stop them. You have to have a way. So lynch guards are really good. Uh, well, not really good, but they have a use. Then you could also put like I was talking about. You use the Merfit. We're in the Merfit dynasty, so they get you get to redeploy these three. So you get you know a two, a one, or three. You get three guys. You get all those guys within 12 inches, and then they get to move. Well, when you redeploy them, they're outside of 12 because it says, you know, more than 12. Right. So you got to move a little bit, like literally like a cut in hair, and then you're inside of 12. Right. And then you could double fire and get your plus one AP and all that stuff already. So you can redeploy, then move into cover or deploy into cover. Like really, really good for the Merfit. Like that's why I say because I because I think Merfit's the best one, this is an you must take it. Right. For the redeployments. Um, Especially with the big FAQ, these redeployments, these, I start here and I first turn, I can now anywhere on the board. It's not, it's not super strong. It's not uh, just that. It's the fact that like the FAQ came out and then people are like, oh, I don't need screens. Um, Okay. Okay. So then these guys get to literally deploy 12 inches from your deployment zone. Thanks. My gene stills are going to eat you alive. And then gene stills can run across the table. Like there's. There's a lot of elder armies that don't have rangers. <clears throat> I mean, my I don't have rangers in some of my lists. I mean, but then they have more takes, so it's kind of like you can't kill me anyways. Yeah. The people don't have those those buffers that they used to have. You're, these redeployments are super key. The infiltrates really fucking key. Super fast units are key. Uh, yeah, super fast units are key. So, like I said, deceiver very very important. Um, now, outside of that, I also didn't cover on the relics. They have one that's called like the Nightmare Shroud. I believe it's called maybe wrong, maybe right. 
I'm going to go 50-50 on that one. Um, on a four up, you're right. And on a one to three, you're wrong. Exactly. So I'll probably be wrong because I can't roll a fucking four up anytime that comes up. <laughs> but basically, it's the relic that the bear gets to pick a unit that's within, like, I think three inches. And then you can remove him and the and the unit from the board and then place uh, more than nine inches away. Now, these guys don't get to move. It's a once per turn thing. But if you pair that with a deceiver... Right. Oh, and also on the deceiver one, it's D three plus him. So once you already used his trick, up to four, yeah, yeah. Once you already used his trick, he also like, okay, I have no other use for you, so go towards the army, right, and hit something, right. Which I think is really cool because if it was just D three, right, like go try to assassinate that character. Yeah, because he hits, he hits like D three uh, wounds and stuff when mm-hmm. he, when his tough goes through. It's it's not bad. He's strength six, not bad. Not, not the best, but not bad. What if you have that toughness four character and you've picked Headhunter, right? Or there's that toughness five character, right? And you want to j- chip away at this guy. Or I can get in there and maybe do some damage and degrade something, you know? Yeah. Like, I've done your trick. Cool. Go Kamikaze now. Like, go for it. But that, that's a, the great thing about the Deceiver is that he does his trick before the game starts. And then now he's just like, I'm just going to keep throwing him at you. And if he dies, he dies. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Sweet. If he dies... He dies. And, the, and another great thing about that is that the D3 deployments, you can also use that D3 deployments to also still screen him from being shot because he's a character and he's under right. 10 wounds. You move, you get that 12 inch deployment and then the troops get to char- like move forward, act normal right, and charge. And then he's following behind. And if you have the guys set up correctly, placement's very important. Important. The movement phase is the most important phase in the fucking game. He'll still be alive and still causing fucking havoc back there, doing more right. wounds and all that shit. Yeah, Nightmare Shroud that I was talking about, also good because that makes it that you can have possibly six units basically in the face of your opponent, right? Because you got the, if you rolled a three for the Deceiver and himself, that's four. And then you got the person, the bear that wears the relic and the unit that also does it. So that's six units that you possibly have in your face. Super fast Necrons. Would your Merfit, Merfit, however the fuck you say it, Merfit, 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 you're already using your uh, Dynasty's uh, ability. Very good. Yeah. And then I think there's a stratagem. You can advance in a charge. Very important. Anytime you can advance, get extra advance movement. Advance always very really good. good. Other than that, uh, the one stratagem that. Allows you to use the Overlord ability twice, so the my my will shall be done. My will be done. Yeah. You can put on two, which pairs with all the deep strike or redeployments that's going on. You only get the two guys. You, like, say if you roll a one for the Deceiver, right? So you pick your one immortal unit, unit of and Tesla, the and then you nitroud on the other immortal unit and and the character that's probably the Overlord, and then fucking goes with them. So you give both of them. My wish will be done. So now all your Tesla has plus one, getting the extra hits on fives. I mean, I like those little combos. I mean, destroyers don't need much, much like they don't need much help. They already move fast. They hit. They hard. move fast, and they're infantry. <clears throat> they're infantry. They can go into buildings. They get two up saves and covers. Like, there's not much more you could really want. There's nothing their, to not like about really, that. Other, I mean, other than having more range, probably. Then they'd be like really, they really have broken. Twenty-four inch range, but at sixteen-inch movement, you really don't need that longer range. They're pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. Like you can close the gap and make your twenty-four inch range if you wanted to. So if you're a Necron player out there, like I, 
I thought I had more to recover, but I actually did talk a lot about it. So remember, Deceiver, fucking Night Shroud. Uh, there's also a Relic, too, that makes them fearless. Or is it a Warlord trait? So look at your Warlord traits and Relics. Yeah, look at your Codex. Yeah, basically. <laughs> there's there's a... <laughs> either one of those actually makes you fearless as well, which is also really good. Because we got to remember, and for all you people out there that play against Necrons... It is important to note down when you shoot at Necron units, if there's any fuckers that run away, those are gone forever. They're gonzo, yeah. They can't reanimate Animate. those. So just kind of like, it's really hard to keep track because like, oh, I've lost because I've lost this many, so I get to do but this. But it's hard to make them run because their leadership is always really They're high. They're leadership 10. They're all it, leadership 10. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, but I'm saying. But if there's a 20-man warrior unit out there. Yeah, some guys may run away. And so as an opponent or as somebody playing against Necrons, you have to keep a mental note. Like you can't ever go back to your full strength because two guys ran away. Right. And on this turn, two guys more ran away. So you can only go up to fucking six. I killed 12 of your 20 man. So it's two plus dice, you know, roll. Yeah. You so know, how many more left? Oh, four more left. Okay, cool. So six more. The max you can come back to now is 14. Yes. That was math. Oh, yeah, I, 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 did, I honestly just said yes because <laughs> yes. I didn't do it. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so that's the phrase, guys, you... are annoying. the max he can come back. Dude, the max you can come back to is 12. Cool. I believe you. <laughs> yeah. If you just throw a math problem at me, I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so if you ever want to defeat Ray, confuse him with a math problem. Yeah, it actually does confuse me because I have, spe- have a spelling contest. I with will, him. I will sit there for like 15 minutes while you're doing everything, not thinking about the game. Like, is that math right? It'd be really. I pull my phone out and do a calculator and everything. Yeah, it, it sucks. It's it's a problem. So yeah, so falling away, playing them. You got to remember that, and also for a Necron player, you don't want guys to run away. So having a fearless unit is very good because yeah. you don't ever have to worry about though they can't come back. Yeah. So that's why I really wanted. So if you're to talk. playing lots of warriors, you need that 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 relic is or that They're, warlord trait is important. It's either a relic or a warlord trait. Yeah. Fully, it might be a warlord trait because a relic would be easier because then you could just buy another one. Then yeah. my shroud. But at leadership ten, I think you know MSU units and Necrons would be very good. I mean, unless you really want to play them the the warrior bombs. And that's the thing, like for Necrons, like your relic is nightmare shroud. <clears throat> that's your free relic. That's what you take all the time. Because redeployment is very important. Movement is very important. And movement is very important. And that relic is very, very important. The sole fact that you guys are slow as fuck. Yeah. And you need to be able to get on the board. And those are those recons. That's your behind enemy lines. That's your... And then somebody playing against Necrons, you also got to know this is a one-trick pony thing. When they redeploy, and if they don't redeploy right, or you bait them to redeploy wrong, then you can control the game from there on. Depending on what you play and how fast your army is. That's all I, I just really want to touch back on on the Necrons because I said a lot more than I thought I did, but those those were some important things I want to get to. Yeah. Uh, what else do we had to talk to? We I had, have you in the Harlequins for you. Oh, I did want to make a correction, though. I forgot about it. That was like the most... Oh, for your Dark Eldar, for the, yeah. For the Dark Eldar. Or Dark Eldar, that is, is the example that I've used, but also when you play your games as well, an auxiliary detachment, you don't get access to... Basically, the codex. You just get the model get the and models. its rules. You no stratagems, no. It because at the top of the fucking when you build your army, you know it's it requires reading, which 
I'm not gonna say I do all the time. <laughs> if they made a video for you, if they did make a video, I would be fucking spot on. If it was a cartoon or a comic book, a comic book, comic, comic books are good because there's not a lot of reading and there's pictures. And there's pictures. Yeah. If it was a pop up book, it'd be even better. Yeah. So when you go to pick your like your relics and stuff, there's the stuff up on there's the writing that's above the big ass white words, right? It tells you about if your army is battleforged and includes a whatever army that you're talking about. But then there's parentheses. And it says, excluding auxiliary support detachments. So which means you get no 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 uh, stratagems. So it's still battleforged army. In the parentheses. Yeah, in the parentheses. You still battleforged army. You still get your chapter tactics or fucking craft worlds or... Fuck the right. ball, whatever the fuck you may have be, right? And they fill that uh, thing, but you don't get stratagem. So there's no. So this way- is important for the black heart, for instance. So, for you instance, can't for take an auxiliary in, detachment. For in my example, I was I was saying like, oh, I just take an auxiliary detachment, uh, auxiliary detachment at minus one CP, and then the seventy fucking eight points that a fucking archon costs make him your warlord and shit, <clears throat> and then you could just do uh, agents effect. That's not true. It's completely wrong. My bad. Now, he can still be your warlord, and he can still um, steal and regain command points, but you won't get the all-important uh, stop stratagems. So, that also goes for other armies. You need right? a patrol detachment at that point. You need a patrol detachment. So, you take a little bit more tax. It's 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 quite a bit more. I mean, a Venom is 75 points the way I run it because I run two Venom cannons. And then the Cabal unit is 30 points. So, you know, 10. It's 105 points. If you take no special weapon on, if you don't take no blaster or shredder on the Cabal unit, it's like 105 points. But it's 105 points to have the best stratagem in the game. Yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's a bad tax. <laughs> it's just different than what you thought you were going to be running. I could run 70 yeah. points and do this thing. Yeah, it's. It's upwards of uh, 780 points, or sorry, not seven, 180 points to do it because you have the Archon and them, and yeah. they're not, and they're not bad units. Archon's not a bad unit. The fucking, uh, and you could also make the Archon cheaper because he comes with a Husk Blade, which is expensive. You can just take an Agonizer, and it's far cheaper. So he's, I mean, not far cheaper, but a little bit cheaper. So still good. I wanted to correct that. Some of you guys have messaged me. After fucking you guys messaged me, I double checked and stuff, and yes, you guys are all correct. I was wrong, my bad. But I also want to put it out there for like, because I, I know some people do uh, Saint Celestine in auxiliary, right? And they have their two stratagems, and I, f- I forget what their stratagems are, but they wouldn't be able to use those because of her. She wouldn't be able to use them. Um, there's other people that use like you know a Smash Captain auxiliary detachment, which is pretty important because you couldn't make him this ultra. You couldn't right. make him a, a smash fucker captain. You could just make him a smash captain. Right. Still good, it's, just not as good. Yeah. It's because there's there's stratagems that actually go along with him that with actually make that him make stupid. him do what he does. Like yeah. he wouldn't like he wouldn't be able to attack twice if he was in an auxiliary. Because it has to come from their book that says Blood Angels. Right. Cause they don't really have chapter tactics. It's really weird when you get into like the Imperium stuff. Cause there's chapter tactics and then there's like Blood Angels. Yeah, and all the stratums affect blood angels, not chapter tactic. It's really weird. If you're chaos, you ignore all that shit. Yeah, well, cultists no. get whatever. No, because so <laughs> so you have your chaos guys. They have like you know uh, Alpha Legion, Black Legion. 
and then you have Thousand Suns, and it's their their uh, their stratagems. But affect- Death Guard cultists still get tied to traitors. Yeah, but that that tied to traitors has the different keywords. It has nothing to do with. Uh, it's bullshit. That's bullshit. It is bullshit. Just, I don't you fucking, just know it's bullshit. I, it is bullshit. I, I fucking hate cultists. When I saw that in the freaking FAQ, like, oh, no, you could still use that with your... I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> so that's what I wanted to correct about my blunder. That was my bad. I'm an idiot. I'm pretty sure y'all knew that already. Mm-hmm. Uh, wanted to get to what well, we have in here that Harlequins. I haven't got a codex, so... Yeah, when this launches, we'll probably be grabbing our codexes that night. I mean, I've already reserved my codex and stuff. I'm gonna get them. Obviously, yeah. they're they're elves. Alex so. has got your codex waiting for your codex and your data cards at Gamers Arsenal. He's got them. And my webway gate. Your webway gate. I'm yeah. never gonna use it, but it's Eldar, so I gotta have it. Yeah. You know, the chips going off. Eldar, grab it. Yeah. <laughs> Space uh, fairy. Pockets in. <laughs> Pow. <laughs> Pow. <laughs> Poof. Uh, so with the Harlequins, from what, I, what we've seen of the, I mean, I have seen. Stuff that I probably haven't should have seen, but I've seen it, and stuff in there is really good, really really good, like really really good. Yeah, the the um, ability to charge through units. There's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of things that are in the index that are already really good, right? So so they can like charge with stuff, and they're really fast. They can assault a charge. Um, they can fall back and charge if they have crescendo. They all have invuls. So that means they kind of have like that demon. Right. Like ability where you just always get a save. It doesn't matter. You're just negative 500. I don't care. I have a four plus save. <laughs> and I mean, they can get to a three plus save. They have minuses the hits. Um, they have attack again stratagems. Their powers are not on the level of craft world powers. Like there's no doom. But, and there's no jinx. But they have powers that make them, you know, either harder to hit, give them fiddle pains. Uh, move again, which we all know we all like move again powers. And when you have units that already move fucking 22 inches. This feels like a Tyranid Codex. Like all the things you're saying. The Invulnerables, the move again, the advance and charge. The- yeah, uh, there, a lot of the stratagems are on the basis of keeping them alive because they are very fragile. Right. Which is like what you're saying with Tyranids. A lot of their stuff is very fragile but can, can kill shit when they get there. Yeah. Now, points... They didn't so much get the points decreases I may have wanted to actually like, yes, I'm going to always take them. They're still like a decision pricey. De- yeah. decision to take them, but a couple of their, their weapons and stuff have went down. And then as a result of that, some of their characters also went down a little bit of points because they used those weapons. So a little bit increases here and there, but I mean, a little increases here and there. And if you're playing a full Harlequin army, that means maybe one or two more units. Very good. Um, Looking forward to it. This is just gives us Eldar such a hard choice of like we have you know Agent Effect that we have to take. It's kind of like the it's kind of like the guard unit, the guard uh, detachment. Right. You're gonna it, you're gonna take a black card patrol detachment. at the very least a patrol, <clears throat> the very least, and then go from there. Right. Or if you're and, playing Imperium, you're gonna take the the guard b- battalion. And if you're an Eldar player out there, and the Outrider detachment. With scourges and blasters and one unit of, uh, I'm sorry, one two units of shredders and then one unit of blasters with one archon, fucking really good. Yeah. It's it's decently cheap, but what you, like the points you're paying for is all worth it. 
it's not tax. It's everything has a purpose. Right. Really, 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 really good. Try check it out. Well, we were talking with Frankie too. Like Hellions were really good because they have that strategy like where, where you advance over something and they do mortal wounds or. Yeah, it's good, but I don't want to use stratagems to do that. Yeah, but they they move real fast and they can charge and you know. Well, Frankie like, did really well in the last tournament he was at. Yeah, so. he did fantastically well in the last <laughs> tournament was that going zero points in the invitational, getting smoked <laughs> zero to forty. You know, I bring him on thinking like, yeah, I got a good player coming on. He's going to give us some good strategy. He goes, get gets smoked in the freaking invitational. <laughs> I mean, I guess they. they you need a spoon in every invitational, I guess. You know, yeah. so I'm glad Frankie could provide that. Thanks for, for coming on, Frankie. Yeah, we thanks, Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's it's given the el, el, the elves, the Eldari, of tough choices to, for us to make, and it's good and bad because against obviously all you people that don't play Eldari, you all hate us anyways. And that all our shit's so good, but. Uh, one good thing I think will come out of it that you'll see a lot of unique builds. Like people will use a lot more Harlequins, less Eldar, more Eldar. Like I probably always use more Craftworld. People use more Dark Eldar and then supplement the other ones. Like your list will be pretty variant between stuff, which I think is cool. You're not just getting like this is the meta list. This is what Eldari players play. Like the one thing you are going to see is that there's probably going to be Blackheart probably in everyone, which is I guess bad because they're so good. Yeah. It's three command points, though, and I think we've talked about, like... You just spend command points. Just spend your command points. Go, burn them. Burn them. You'll probably get them back. Nosh, your fucking person you're playing is really good at rolling sixes, and then he, he's just draining Unless you. Unless Hayden is playing Blackheart. Yeah, that would be bad. <laughs> that would be bad. <laughs> He'd be getting all dude, his command points back. Fuck that dude and his dice. Fuck him. <laughs> I try to tell you, man. I try to tell everybody. He comes over on his birthday and I'm throwing dice in my garage. I was so pissed. <laughs> I never throw my dice and I threw my dice that day. That's what happens when you hang around yeah. me too much. It's fine to throw dice. And then it happens and you do it. Uh, the last thing we wanted to touch on was um, Death Watch. Yeah. We talked about it briefly a little bit, but after looking at this codex. They're good. This is good. There's, good. there's a lot of really good shit in here. And I think... Yeah, it's gonna take one or two people to really figure this codex out. And not us. Not us. No, we're not that good. <laughs> but I, I, I'm willing to bet someone's gonna look at this codex, figure some shit out, and they're gonna. There's so many ways to tailor, like midstream, even mid game, to fix yeah, what the you're abil- doing. The ability to okay, uh, I killed all infantry, so now there's nothing but tanks, or oh, they're all in transport, so I'm gonna. And well, actually, there's nothing for transports. I don't think any of them were covered in transports. The reroll ones? Maybe. Yeah. But there's so there's a counter against Death Watch. Just yeah. take transports. Just take all transports. <laughs> all dedicated transports. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, they can like audible in the middle of the game. And if uh, they have like Warlord traits that you could do a free one uh, from the Watch, com- watch, watch Master. Master. Actually, yeah. he could just do it. That's his ability, right? He has he rerolls ability. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rerolls. They. Their punch is really good, and their survivability is actually really, really good too. Especially if they're in cover, yeah. And their infantry, so they can Two go. Save, so they in interact cover, yeah. with all types of terrain. Now as you have the bikes, right. the bikes kind of get left out. The bikes are so good; they shoot a lot. Um, 
They're really good. I, I don't think a standalone army, per se. No, no. Because they're far too expensive. This is another Imperium. We've said it before and we'll say it again. There's not a single Imperium army out there that does not benefit from having guard inside of it. I, I think I think they're kind of like a custode army, maybe. Yeah. Where like you take mostly custodes and then take that guard, Yeah. right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because the the stratagems are very important for death... death uh, Death Watch. Death Watch. You know, everyone says that you know, everyone is stratagem point heavy. Like, oh, this this unit is especially stratagem heavy. I think every army, if you have stratagems to use, if you have a codex, you are stratagem dependent. <laughs> you are command point dependent. I haven't seen an army yet other than guard because they get so many back. But this is why the guard is important because that's yeah, the, the one warlord trait. You haven't played me in a while. Yeah. <laughs> but I think everybody is sort of, you know command point dependent you want to pull off these tricks these tricks are so cool you build armies around these tricks you know and if i can't pull these tricks off then shit i'm fucked so i think everyone is command point dependent if you have a codex if you don't have a codex and you're not depending on command points and you're okay well i mean the best relics and warlord traits are always like gravitate to the regating command points oh yeah i mean my game my games we haven't done games played yet but i mean the the games yesterday like, I would have had no command points if I didn't have Cabal of Blackheart. Right. But I kept stealing my opponents. So, turn five, I, I spent three command points, which I should have had zero. That's crazy stupid. Yeah. And that it's really, really good. Yeah, that'll win you the game. Having three command points turn five will win you a game. You know, it's, it's funny, too, because, like, I, you know, Cabal of Blackheart him and stuff. So, he's, he had more command points throughout the game. And then, towards the end, like, his last couple, I stole, like, all three. And like every time I got one, it's like, oh, I can do this now. And I got two, it's like, oh, I can do this now. And I got another. Oh, fuck yeah, I can do this. I can stop a stratagem. No, I was I played against Hayden, and he was take he was stealing command points. Like, oh, do I get a command point back? Because he has one of those. Uh, one character does that or something like that, right? And I was like, fuck, do I want to spend my command points? Do I really want a command point reroll this? Yeah, it's a, now he has a chance to get a command point back and do too. some shit. Like, I mean, like, for for a long. So no, time. I'm not gonna command point reroll that. There was a, a long, like, because before uh, Dark Eldar came out, Eldar had no way of stealing. We did, we could have done it on sixes when we cast, when we mm-hmm. used them, but not with a steal. So, like, there was a lot of times where you're playing somebody like, fuck, he has one command point. I kind of need this unit to run away, but I need this stratagem to, like, re-roll or some shit. Like, do I really, do I really use it and chance him getting a six and then he just makes him fearless? And then my whole fucking plan's fucked. Yeah. So, there's that. Death Watch. We'll get more into Death Watch later when we take more of looks. We, I mean, Andy, you and I have been busy. We yeah, we've families. I, I, I've looked at the codex. I've actually built some lists around it, trying to see where it would fit in and what it would look like. Um, I like the ability to mix in because I have a lot of Primaris stuff already. So I built a lot of prim- I built primarily Primaris, primarily Primaris, and then a veteran squad <laughs> with Stormbolters. Um, but I like the Shock. ability to put in intercessors. And Inceptors, you put an Inceptor in a unit of Intercessors, all of a sudden they gain the fly keyword for the purposes of falling back and shooting, which is stupid mm-hmm. good, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Hellblasters are good. You can just mix them into a squad. Hellblasters of- are, 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 your, are your, like, rocket launchers and, like, regular tactical squads. Yeah. Basically equivalents. I'm still under the belief that all you need is the one Vanguard veteran to fall back and shoot. I, I don't see... The other stuff are cool, but the other stuff also costs way more points. Yeah. So if you're just trying to do a battalion of Death Watch, like you literally only need three units of fucking troops. Your watch captain and I don't know, your maybe watch master and the watch captain, yeah. Sure. 
and like that's really all good. Veterans and a Vanguard and vet a, mixed and in. Vanguard yeah. vet. So you can. So you're gonna be shooting all the time. No matter if you try, I mean, not unless you get tri-pointed, but I mean, you should be preventing that. Right. If you get tri-pointed, your fault. You suck. <laughs> um, like, and you fall back and shoot the shit out because fall back and shoot is so fucking good. I mean, that's why most un- most units and armies gravitate towards fly units. Now you have an infantry unit that can fly, or not fly, but fly. He just not fly. the ability to fall back and shoot. and shoot. Very good. And then they're shooting. Is multi-purpose fucking shooting. It's uh, space marines with special issue working with special issue ammunition. It's if, good. If you're a fucking primaris marine, you basically shooting plasma guns, not overheating. And then if it's a shit ton, of, just wound them on twos. Oh, you're really tough. Cool, I wound you on twos. Just take saves. Yeah, I'm gonna shoot you so many fucking. Times. You have all those invols and all those freaking uh, disgusting resiliences. Just take just, a bunch of saves. Just take a shit ton of saves. They're all five up anyway. Yeah. Just take all themselves. Well, if you play me, he'll be fine. But, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if you play anybody else, you'll die. And Hayden will make all of his saves. <laughs> yeah. That motherfucker I played game three at fucking Gamer Save, he'll make all of his we're saves. We're going to get too. into that, okay? God damn it! Bitch there. <laughs> so, don't, we're, we're, we're going to get to Death Watch. Yeah. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast thinking we're a fucking on the curve fucking shit, we're not. If you really like Death Watch and you've got some things you want to talk about, give us a call. Leave us a voicemail. Uh, send us a message. Maybe we'll do a Skype call. You can talk yeah, about your you, Death Watch. Yeah, let's do. A, if you're a Death Watch player, send us a combo you like. One combo. Don't fucking go on for goddamn thirty minutes because I'm just gonna fucking hang up on you. But yeah. Give us one combo that you like using stratagems, units, whatever. What combo? What unit? And how many points that unit is? I yeah. Wanna, I want to whatever whatever a combo it is. I want to know the points it costs to do that combo or how many stratagems it takes. Sure. So do that if you're a Death Watch player. Yeah. Which is like, I think, three of you. and I doubt All you, three of you out I, there in the I, whole world. I, I doubt you guys listen. Yeah. <laughs> so tell your friend that does play Death Watch. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break. You can find him at the bottom tables. Yeah, you'll find him before, at the bottom before. tables. Before. Before. Now he's going to be. Uh, he's gonna he's be challenging. He's going to be challenging. But we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back with some after actually you and maximum effort. What's up, veteran gamers? Andy here. Today, I'm joined by my wife, Tiffany. hey And we're here today to tell you about touch you touch you you want to touch me yeah i do want to touch you we're going to talk to you today about sky high comics everyone knows that andy likes to shop at sky high comics for 40k but my wife tiffany she likes shopping there too what do you have to shop there for um i go there for comic books and i also shop there for warhammer products i get my aos there yes you do yes you do you know, Sky High Comics is a veteran-owned and operated business right there in North County, San Diego. Now, Veteran Gamer, we like to support our local gaming stores. We like to support veterans because, of course, it's the Veteran Gamer. And we like to support cool dudes like Raul. What do you think about Raul, baby? Raul's pretty cool. Raul's a pretty cool guy. I mean, he's very knowledgeable about the products that he carries. He carries... Oh, Pokemon. I forgot about Pokemon. He carries Pokemon cards and deck boxes and magic and he's really passionate about the stuff that he has there and yeah that's what i'm talking about so if you're a nerd if you're a neckbeard you want to get your game on you want to get your nerd on check out sky high comics in north county san diego you can check them out online at skyhighcomics.com so then ladies back to the show We're back. After action review. This is where we're talking about our games played. And we played the Gamers Haven RT this weekend. What month are we in? May. May. 
RT, they call it whatever. This is probably is. their their last RT for the summer. I talked to him. He said that's not true. No, not true. No, you're throwing lies out there. I'm not throwing lies. That's what he told me. I asked him. He's like, we're gonna keep doing it until we can't, like until we melt in here. We're gonna go until we got go no mo. Yeah. No. Okay. Um. So we played the Gamers Haven RT this weekend. Of course, took my Tyranids. Uh, I took the um. The Carnifexes. I call mm-hmm. it my Carnifex Flex. Carnifex Flex. Called the Carnifex <laughs> Flex. I'll post my list on the on the website and in the show notes. I'll cool. post it. I'll post it so you can see it. Um, primarily, the list consisted of uh, six Carnifexes, four shooting variety, and two close combat variety, one unit of nineteen man Gene Stealers, um, and three flying hive tyrants. That's for you know. Oh, and uh, twenty six gargoyles. Uh, and then we got rippers and, rippers and neurothropes mixed yeah. in, but it, yeah. yeah, it's just the that's just the giveaway stuff. Um, but that was like the meat of the list. Um, I ended up going two and one, and I played against Chaos all three games. No, just just I'm not even saying. It. <laughs> Go ahead, say it. Statistical, right? Statistically. Statistically, well, I can't say a fucking statistically. The the testicular cancer. Statistically, um, they were hanging low. Um, no, Chaos is the low-hanging fruit of this edition right now, and everyone plays it. And in 8.5 players, because we had guys show up late and everything, but there were four, half the ta- every table was had Chaos on it of some variety. So of eight players, four were playing Chaos. Yeah, except the round that round two where the two Chaos players were playing each other. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But... So in a, in an eight or nine person RT, four people were playing chaos. Um, I saw more cultists than I ever want to see the rest of my life. <laughs> you know? Hey, cultists, <laughs> fucking retarded. Uh, but I ended up going two and one. Um, I beat uh, Arthur two in the first game, which I thought was kind of a big accomplishment. He's a very, he's a pretty good player. Um, he understands the game. Oh yeah, he knows the and rules. He definitely has math because he's like Asian. Oh yeah, 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 he, yeah. He, he, he he Asians know the math, and he knows his math. Yeah, um, he's a good player, and beating him was I, I felt was a kind of a good accomplishment for me. You know, I'm not a top end player by any stretch of the imagination. I'm getting better, but to, to beat, you know, when I get those victories, I feel like I'm, I'm crossing, you yeah. know, objectives that I'm trying to reach. You know, I'm in, in the, my level of play. I'm yeah, at least going forward. Yeah, I'm getting better because well, like. Year and a half ago, it probably got smashed by. Him. Oh yeah, I would have been totally smashed. <laughs> and actually, the last time I played him, he totally smashed me. Okay. Um, we played at Three Iron Brewery. So not an hour or not a a year and a half, like three yeah. Weeks and he's pl- weeks. yeah, it was a couple of weeks. Yeah, but he was pretty much playing almost the exact same list, only more cultists. Hmm. <laughs> Just more cultists this time. Hmm. Um, and but- he took out and he took out like what two two berserkers and got like a hundred cultists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um. So uh, I ended up going first turn on him, and I killed. We were playing the the corner with the nine inches in the center. Um, uh-huh. So I had said previously you could use opportunistic advance on gargoyles, and you can't. Okay. But it never came up. I didn't have to because I was so close. <laughs> All right. So out there, no. And there, and why is the why is that? Why can't in you use the stratagem it says other than units that can fly. All right, and gargoyles fly. Gargoyles fly. Obviously, they got fucking wings. Yeah. So, um, but I was able to assault him turn one, and I ended up killing 60 cultists. 
turn one, which is a lot with um, combined fire of the shooting Carnifexes and the Gene Steelers. Okay. And Gargoyles. Mm-hmm. So I killed two 10-man units and a 40-man unit of cultists, top of turn one, which got me my Reaper points. And I barely, I killed that 40-man cultist squad, like, on the button. I got 40 on the button, so we couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't, uh, couldn't tie the traitors tie down. The traitors. Um, so I killed them. I think they, I think they, they, they fled, or no, I just killed them, with Gene Steelers, combined fire, and everything. So I got all of my Reaper points turn one, which I, when I did that, I was like, Oh, like shit. Like all the rest of my points were in recon and behind enemy lines. So I didn't have to go kill, you know, um, demon princes or whatnot. Well, you had to kill one a turn. Well, we are playing IGC. Where I have to kill one a turn. Were you going first or second? I went first. Oh, okay. But then he also had a 10 man, um, a 10 man um, noise marine squad, which I ignored pretty much the entire game. <laughs> yeah. Because when you kill them, they just shoot. Yeah. Which is fucking retarded. So I bumped them one time just to keep them from shooting the turn one. Yeah. That's all I needed to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I played out my, I killed the cultists. I'm like, oh shit, all I got to do is get behind enemy lines of recon. And I'm good and just kill a unit. And that's basically what I did. And I ended up winning 29 25. 29 25. Yeah. So it was, game. it was a close game. Yeah. Right. And it turned, I got box cars to do damage on a demon prince and killed it with my flying hive tyrant. But um, it, it felt like an uphill battle the whole way. Just chaos just does everything. They do everything and anything they want. They have all the tools, all the strategies. Um, so, but I won that game and then I went off and well, played. Hate. I don't think they do everything. They don't shoot the greatest. Well, the cultists do. Once you give them freaking veterans of the long war and prescience. Yeah, but. They're, they're, they're a space shooting, marine. They're shooting is last lucker. Last lucker. Last. Lack luster. Lack luster. Not if you give them prescience and veterans of the long war. Now they're just a space marine squad. A 40 man strong space marine squad. Sure. Now they're good. If they're shooting at little things, yeah. Remember, most of my shit's mech now. Well, your shit, but I don't have any vehicles. Even flying hive trains make me make enough saves. I'm going to fail them all. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot me 80 times. I'm going to fail enough. Well, doesn't a cultist wound a flyerant on a six anyways, and then they go to fives? It goes to fives, but with with 80 shots, you're going to roll enough fives. And I fail enough three-up saves to make it. <laughs> yeah. I fail enough. So uh, then I went off and played Hayden. He smashed the fuck out of me, like, severely. <laughs> it was bad. Um, he, I think he ended up – he essentially would have tabled me turn three. So you we guys were, stopped playing? Yeah, I stopped playing. I, we, we talked out the end of it. <laughs> Because I was in my, I was the top of, it was my turn three. It was the bottom of turn three and I couldn't do anything. I had one Carnifex left and a bunch of bullshit and some rippers. And I was like, okay, well, let me see if I can kill this. You're still in the game, man. Come on. Let me see if I can kill this one thing. I didn't kill. Okay, game over. Let's talk the rest of this out. Okay, you're going to kill this, this, and this. I didn't know if you guys finished like way early. Yeah, it was bad. It was really (laughs) bad. He got turn one with all of those goddamn cultists and just obliterated half a big piece of my army. And then turn two, um, the. uh, Anytime I play Hayden, I always expect to go second. Yeah. Because he always rolls higher than me. Yeah. So he killed a lot of stuff with the cultists. And then the um, the berserkers got into my my shit. And that was it. Berserkers are bad. Berserkers are really fucking good. Um, so that happened. And then my game three, I played another chaos player. And he had a bunch of Nurgle shit and some fiends. But he had the AOS models. He was playing as fiends. Yeah. 
Um, and that was a game that was tighter than it should have been. I definitely saw. I saw the models, and I like those models the way they look. They're yeah, super yeah. Cool, but I think they need to be on the actual like bike bases. It's the new. He was using the um, the new AOS. Um, the daughters of Cain. The daughters of Cain models, which are fantastic looking models. I, I didn't have a problem with the models. No, they, I didn't have a problem with them they, at all. They just need to be on the right base. Yeah, I honestly think. Yeah, yeah. I think the models are fantastic, and I love when people use the AOS models in the 40k stuff. Yeah. Like the um, people are using. Something for a, um, a demon prince. It's an AOS model. Um, it's got those little like bone wings. I don't know. I don't know which what it is, but oh uh, yeah, it's the death the death ones. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I the, the, the AOS models are just fantastic looking, and I don't have a problem people proxying those as long as on the right base and same size. Yeah, you know. Um, but I played um, another chaos player, and I, th- I think the game was tired than it should have been. I really should have done better. But he's playing a lot of Nurgle with the little fidget spinner tanks. Mm-hmm. And those are really tough for me to chew through. I mean, they're they're well, really they're tough already. They're just they're, tough they're, already. They're pretty good. Um, but I ended up winning that game. Also, a closer than it should have been, like twenty nine to twenty four, something like that. Yeah. Well, the thing is with Nergo is like they always they always get a reroll to all their saves. Yeah, it's I, a five I, to a five. Yeah, five to a five I, every time. Okay, you got to take twelve wounds. Okay, uh, I got four of my saves, and I made my discussing resilience. I made four of them. Like, okay, cool. So you take two wounds. <laughs> there was a lot of times where he was rolling a lot of fives and sixes for discussing resilience so it's, i couldn't do enough it's annoying it's, it's fucking annoying and all about and, that and you were just you were livid as fuck about that there um but those are my games played um once again i'm coming back to it you know chaos is just so good and i really don't think there's any reason if you're playing ITC right now to play anything other than Imperium, Eldar, or Chaos, and if you're playing just a straight fucking um, Xenos Codex, you're going to play at a disadvantage. You're playing uphill. Uh, they're not. I'm not. I'm not trying to like counter your argument and say that you're wrong, but it does give those codexes though, like Necrons, Tau, to build towards defeating those armies. Because they'll more likely not face against themselves, right? They won't. It won't be Tau on Tau or Necrons versus Necrons. It'll come. It'll, if you win, if you can win those first two games, you'll probably be playing against Chaos or Eldar, right? Like once you pa- win your first four games, you'll probably be playing against just Chaos and Eldar, not Imperium. Now this is somebody really good playing Imperium, and you could tailor your list to kind of like. I got power armor to chew through, or I just need mass fire to chew through all the anvils. Right. Right. So it's a bad thing, and I'm not saying that no, they're they're still up there to contend. It just you could in the list building phase of going to a tournament, you could keep that in mind. Right. And more direct your stuff towards those type of killing stuff. Right. But after going through that. I really like the close combat Carnifexes, but I think if I'm going to drop anything from my list, it's going to be those guys. I'm going to add just more Gene Steelers. Well, do two of them give you more Gene Steelers? Um, yeah, because two Carnifexes like 115 points. That's 230. If I just tailor a little bit, I think a 19-man Gene Steelers is like 280-some-odd points. I've got to shave a little here and shave a little there, and I've got two 19-mans. So I'm probably going to go back there and keep the shooting Carnifexes because they're really effective. But... I just, I, you, they're really survivable. They're survivable. They are. Um, but I think the close combat card effects is suffer when, I, when they face. When they go up against like one thing, like a demon prince, they won't kill it. 
but they'll come close, <laughs> right? Um, well, they could kill it if he rolls bad. Yeah, they could. Yeah, it's just I, I think their upside is a lot less than another Gene Stealer squad. Okay, but but I, I I feel like though against Chaos and Eldar and Imperium, I'm playing on hard mode. You know, if I if I had an Eldar list or a Chaos list or another Imperium list, I think I'd probably be performing better. But I went even with that said, I went two and one. You know, <laughs> I mean, you went two and yeah. one. It's not bad. I went two and one. It's not bad. You know, well, I beat a, I beat what a good place. Player. Did you end up uh, fifth out of nine technically? Only because my loss to Hayden was so bad and my wins weren't so great. Oh, okay. I was the lowest two and one, but I went two and one. Yeah. So not a losing record. I was just trying to make. I just wanted. I thought you got fourth. No, no, no. It's. <laughs> A guy had a buy and ended up getting with more points because he had a buy. So, yeah. but um, no salt there. No salt there at all. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have placed anyway. I would have gotten fourth regardless. But and I went two and one. And I should feel good about it, and I do. I, just, I felt like my games were closer than they should have been, and I just see how difficult it is to play against Gar or um, Chaos. I mean, you got to remember, like back when we uh, were at the store that we don't talk about. You like lost all your games. I didn't kill a single unit. You didn't kill a single unit, and then you come to now with the same three rounds, same everything, and yeah. now you win two, and you kill more than a single. Yeah, unit. a lot more than a single unit. I killed <laughs> sixty cultists in a single turn. So and, yeah, and I mean like those are improvements, and it's something yeah. to harp on. Like anytime you're out there starting the competitive, you can't let yourself get down. Like people that are very like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know Sean name personally, but like. Like myself, I I just use myself. I'm not the greatest person in the world, but I'm saying like when I started to go into tournaments or when I started playing like people that were actually competitive, I got smashed all the fucking time. People like, I don't know, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what? And like, just right. show like shell shock the whole game. And then it got to the point where like, okay, I started winning games, but then like I was understanding what was going on. And then it goes to like tournaments to two years, three years ago. To where I'm winning most of my games, but barely by a little bit, like inching them out. And then it goes to like last year where I'm winning my game substantially or I'm losing my games by a little bit. And now I'm at the point where I win substantially or I barely lose to what I lost because I made a mistake. Right. And you're and those losses are the top competition. And those and are the, the good people. Tournament winners. Yeah. yeah. So it's a slow process. I mean, there's gifted people. There's gifted people in doing anything in this world. Right. It's people that see things a whole different way. But if you're getting into the competitive fucking scene, you are going to lose because there's people that have been doing this for a long time. They're not assholes. They just know the rules. They know how to manipulate them to benefit them. And they're going to win. Just learn from it. Don't just get, oh, fuck this game. You rolled nothing but fives. Like, I think I yelled "fuck this game" during the <laughs> <laughs> during my game against Hayden because he rolled nothing but fives. Like, it'll you'll get better as long as you can keep yeah. a level head and actually learn from. Oh yeah, what the fuck? Why you're losing? Yeah, and I, even the games that I won, I was like, God, I sh- I could have won this game by more. I there's something else I could have done. There was this other thing I could have done. So I'm I'm learning from those things. It's just I, I felt as if. Like the games were tighter than they should have been, right? That game against Arthur II, I probably should not have won that game. Killing that Demon Prince when I did, getting boxcars and boxcars, like should <laughs> never happen. And it did, and that turned the game, right? Yeah. But had that not happened, I probably would have lost something like 29. It would have been. That, a- well, that being said, that probably shouldn't have happened. But the fact that you still saw it, attempted it, and it there was a possibility. Yeah. 
sometimes games come down to that. Yeah, and, and I got that by interrupting. Like, I interrupt, I spent two command points, interrupt, okay, this flying hydron's going to attack this demon prince, go. And it worked, right? So it was a, it was a tactic I understood. I knew and I picked the right target. Yep. And it just happened, which and that, was and that worked comes, to my benefit. And that comes from playing, right? understanding the game, and just learning from your mistakes from other times. We're like, you let the assault phase go and then all the shit dies. And yeah. then you're like, oh, fuck, I could have used two command points in real time. Maybe have killed them. Which then in this case, you did because you rolled really good. Yeah. So. Yeah. Things to learn from. Yeah. So always learn. It's getting better. It's just I know there's more improvement I can make. I just feel like those turns, those games were tighter. But I think I'm gonna come back to it. It's it, if you're not playing one of those three mega factions, you're gonna play uphill. So get really good at what you do. Like just know what's in your meta. And in my meta is a lot of chaos and a lot of Nurgle. And it's all about for Nurgle. It's about putting down a maximum amount of wounds. Anything that wounds a lot. You don't. I mean, you don't need. High damage, they don't give a fuck about high damage. They care about numbers of saves they have to make. Yeah, they kind of, kind of. Kind of, yeah, kind of no, but really just If you make... can get a lot of high shooting, high damage, like D3 damage and like like more than one damage, really good. But if you could just go for one damages and just a shit ton of shots. But the thing is, you're going to see within those units, you're going to see cultists. You're going to see. What's funny is that the, the Nurgle stuff, you really want strength six when you shoot at them. Yeah. Which before this, strength six wasn't really a. Like, it was like, oh, I want strength eight, you know. I want strength four, strength, strength five, four. and then strength eight. Yeah. So now, but since Nurgle is like, I kind of need strength six to shoot at these guys. Right, because they're all T5s mm-hmm. and, yeah. Eight so nine. so those are my games played. You've got a lot, of course. You play a lot and you fuck a lot. That's what I do. <laughs> I, I drink a lot, so. So there, so Gamers Haven, like we said, we went to. Uh, obviously, I go. Andy and I go pretty much. When we go to terms, we kind of go together whenever yeah. we do go. Um, I was running late, I think, that day, that morning, because I woke up late, and I didn't have an army. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I had no idea what I was fucking bringing at all. I mean, of course, in my battle scribe, there's, like, random lists that I've made, like, here and there, but none of them, like, because usually, like, before GTs or stuff, you have a list, and you at least practice it for, like, a week, right? You, you're going like, to go to an RT, you're going to play some games, local games, so you're going to get try to get five games in before that tournament, yeah. Yeah, so, that didn't happen. I woke up, like, fuck, I don't know, I'm taking a shower, I, like, was really lazy getting up, fucking, I was still sick a little bit, so, like, getting up was harder. Uh, I was like, fuck it, because I was trying to make a list on the floor, like I told you guys, and I was just like deleting stuff, making stuff. I was like, you know what, motherfucker? Just take all my shit. So I just fucking <laughs> literally packed all and my. And we were at my house the night before, too, for Hayden's birthday. Yeah. So so I was like, just fuck it. Because I got home and I was really tired because I was sick. Yeah. So my body was drained. So I was like, I just took all my painted and partially painted stuff. <laughs> I was like, all this stuff is good. I just took everything off my shelves that were good. Right. Which, you know, you're a good which player. Which is a lot of stuff to fucking pick up in my You're my a good house. player and you understand your codex, you understand your army. So you could take anything that you have available to you and just say, I'm going to build this and do okay. Yeah, so we're driving. So I met you guys at the fucking uh, Yellow Basket and then we're talking. I was like, yeah, I don't know the fuck I'm going to bring. So I'm like messing with lists while we're talking and then fucking showing you guys a little bit here and there. And then still didn't have anything. We drove. I It was my turn to drive. So I drove us up there. We get there and it's just like I'm still don't know the fuck I'm using, so I'm like kind of fumbling with lists, still trying to eat McDonald's because hungry, and then and I bullied you into the and then I showed you two lists, the fire prisms. There, there was uh, one that had fire prisms, and then there was 
one list and no Dark Reapers, and then there was one list that had Dark Reapers and no Fire Prisms. Uh, they both had Cabal the Black Heart. Right. Um, they both had Wave Serpents and all type of stuff. Well, I've been thinking for a while that, you know, you should try to get out of your comfort zone. I know Dark Reapers are in every Eldar list. Like, everyone takes Dark Reapers. But well, it's, it's, you know, and this is an RT, right? So this isn't going to hurt you because you already have enough scores for your ITC This that if you were to perform poorly at this RT, it would not hurt you. I actually don't have in... Because I played Yanari, uh, Asarian, and Eldari because I accidentally put the wrong ones in the right, Asarian one. So I right. technically don't have enough. I still actually need one more score. But I, by the I end believe. of the season, this by one the end RT, of the season, this one RT, even if you were to perform poorly, would not affect your overall score. No, yeah. So like, And I wanted to see you challenge yourself to do something where you got out of your comfort zone and did not play Dark Reapers. Like, what would happen if I didn't play Dark Reapers and what it's units could It's not so much a, a comfort zone of Dark Reapers. It's, I understand the benefits of Dark Reapers. Like, even sure. a small unit, that it's our way of shooting non-line-of-sight stuff because of the Tempest Launchers. So... And he said, use the fire prism. I was like, all right, sure. And you've been talking about fire prisms for a while, too. And you kept saying, fire prisms, I I think they're really good. And I'm just like, fucking just go for it. Like, run fire prisms and see what happens. And now we know. I'm actually still not there. I don't know. (laughs) Well, that day you were saying they weren't good. Well, that day I was pissed. But later that that day after round one, I was pissed. Yeah. Because I didn't do shit. But, uh, yeah, so I had, you know, three fire prisms. I had a flyer, a hemlock. I had three wave serpents. I had, no, I didn't have three. I had two wave serpents. And then I had a uh, black heart battalion. So I had three venoms, guys inside. Um, that was pretty much a list. A lot of flashings, a lot of minus one hits, obviously, out talk. And we go on there. And, like, I said it in the podcast preview. I was like, fucking uh, pretty dicks. Two spots above me in the world and one spot above me on the West Coast. So I was like, anytime I go and he's there, I'm going to fucking call him out. Yeah. Until he gets fucking underneath me. So if I got there, I was like, yeah, I'm fucking playing you. Round one. So we play. And he plays a the- forced challenge. I, I, for, I forced the first pair matching and uh, he plays the one list that like I cannot win. It's He plays the Nurgle demon list. With the flies. With the the three units of seven flies. Yeah. Um. He has a big old unit of uh the plague bears, and then he has you know two, one demon prince, and then he has the the characters that all make the you know the the tally man the, the something in pile popper, fucking sloppity bow piper that guy, and then he has tally man. I just like tally. Um, and he has like another unit of like two smaller units of uh, plague bears, just you know for the battalion. Right. And I just, it's just, it's a thing against like Elder. And I said it, I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but I've said it like in passing to other people. Like if you have saves against Eldar, you have a chance to win. Because if you roll your saves and don't die, if like we need shit to die so we can maneuver and mm-hmm. be in positions that we need to be in. And you just. You need those dominoes to fall for the next domino. And, you, and with Nurgle. And all of their saves, they're invulnerables. It's and basically a five plus rerollable, because they have five plus invulnerable, five plus disgustingly resilient. There's no way outside of powers to a reduce. disgustingly resilient is an invulnerable save. Like the only thing you could knock them down with is you can't even you can't even you use mortal wounds. Down. Yeah, yeah, it just they, they, they get a they save against free mortal saves. wounds. Yeah. Just get free saves, and it's and so we played, and uh, I took first turn. I won the roll, and I took first turn because I didn't really. I wanted a round of shooting at them, and that's where I was really pissed at the fire prisms. Because you can shoot twice, 
And you have the three different modes. You have a D6 shot, heavy D6, uh, strength 6, negative 3, 1 damage. Or you could do D heavy D3, strength 9, negative 4, D3 damage. Or you could do heavy 1, uh, strength 12, negative 5, uh, D6 damage. Yeah, but those negatives don't do shit against Nurgle. But negatives don't do shit. But the reason, it's but the reason why I decided to take them, or like they're, I have been looking at them, is because they are strength six. Strength six, is pretty good. Yeah, that's good. So against him, I was always shooting the strength six, and we're shooting twice. So it was two d six. Then there's the link fire stratagem, to where you pick one guy, pick a target for that guy, and then everybody can draw the other. Sight. They can shoot through him basically and shoot it. So they rerolled a hit, and they rerolled a wound. So basically, they all have guide. And they're all shooting at a doom target. Really good. Not good when you roll fucking three shots, five shots, four shots, three shots, two shots. If, if, if I hate variable damage, I hate variable shots worse. <laughs> I hate that so much. Anytime I see D, like assault D6, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm instantly just ignoring that profile. I'm like, I can't. Because <laughs> you're always going to roll those twos. And it sucks balls. It's, it's terrible. It's the worst. I hate variable damage, but I hate variable shots worse. And then, yeah, I was getting three hits with my three shots and my three wounds with my three shots. But then he would save two and then discussing resilience the other one. Yeah. And it's just like, all right. And my, my Venoms actually did more damage to that army than the Vibrisms. Now, if I actually shot average dice on those. Yeah probably would have done a little bit more so i mean i killed two big there's something about this podcast because i think i've gotten your dice especially in the last week <laughs> like i can't make a four up save it's contagious i cannot make a four up save i just can't do it it's fucking contagious it's impossible i, just, I cannot do a four up save you yeah, got so, eight I mean, saves to make first, not a single one cool he's dead that first round i killed a whole unit and then i killed all but like two and then, of course, he rolls a one. The only time he rolls a fucking one, he gets a fucking guy back. It's like, sweet. Um, all right. And then it was just downhill after that. Like, because then everything's in my face. Fucking, yeah, you know, I was all the way in the back of the deployment, too. Like, he was in my face. He's getting hold more, uh, kill more. Fucking, he didn't get the bonus until, like, turn three. But, like, <laughs> I remember looking over your team was like, okay, I held more, I killed more, and I got this. And I'm like, shit, this is not going good for Ray. And then I look back again. Okay, so I held more and I killed more. I'm like, fuck, this is really not going good for Ray because that happened two turns in a row. Yeah. And we're like turn three or four at least at this point. Yeah, and then after turn three, it was like killed more, held more, fucking bonus objective. Like, yeah, you got five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah. And then I was just – but there is something to take out of that. Like, I'm a person that never fucking like – well, fuck, I lost this game, so fuck it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to fucking still kill. I'm going to still hold. I'm going to still go after my secondaries, at least max my secondaries. And I did. That's what, At the end farm of the game. Farm them points, whatever you can farm, get them. At the end of the game, I maxed all my secondaries. I made sure that happened. I at least got two points every round. I think that was actually one round. I didn't get a kill or a hold. One or the other. And like, But, I mean, there was no possible way of doing it. And... It turns to the end of the game. I had it was a high loss to his high points because I mean he was getting fucking fives. Yeah. Um. 
He scored in the high 30s, and you scored in the high 20s. But that loss being so high is what helped me get the position I got. So then my second game was against Josue. Right? Hey, you guys at Frontline Gaming, his name is Josue. Josue. Not Josio. <laughs> <laughs> so, fucking he, racist motherfuckers. He, he was playing uh, Custodes. Nothing yeah. but Custodes. Well, Custodes with Assassins. Yeah. Um, I had the first turn. You're lucky you're playing him game two because by this point he's like six beers in. Yeah, Jose is actually a, he understands the game and knows the rules. He just gets too drunk. He gets drunk and makes bad decisions. Yeah, and uh, it, it is better to play him on turn two. Yeah, or, or round two. And, and I got to go first, and it was down here after that. I do yeah. jinx. All my powers went off. Fucking, I mean, I overshot. I mean the the. Fire prisms didn't do anything three turns. They didn't have nothing to shoot at because everything's either out of line of sight. And I mean, there's so few models, but like my army was able to go in. Uh, it was pretty funny though because uh, my altar takes a shard of Anaris. And if you don't know what shard of Anaris is, when he loses his last wound, every you measure three inches, every unit, friend or foe, within three inches, you roll a d6. On a two plus, they suffer d3 mortal wounds, the unit. If there is a mortal wound that is actually taken, he doesn't die. He doesn't lose his last wound. He stays there. And now that I've used that, it's like you're so aggressive with them. Like you can also put them in ways like, yeah, I want you to kill me. Kill me. Kill me. Kill me. Kill me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Killed your unit too when he blows up. And so he jumps over a building. I actually made a tent. Oh, so I was I was prepped to charge the unit of bikes, but I was still 11 inch charge to fucking like, uh, a shield captain or something. Yeah. And then the bikes died and I was like, I have a banshee mask, so I don't give a shit. I, I charge everything within 12, you know, my phrase, everything in the 12, I charge it. And I rolled and I was like, Oh, boxcars. All right. I guess I am charging this guy. <laughs> so I, I fucking murk that guy. And then Gilliman comes in and he, uh, shoots, doesn't do anything, <clears throat> charges. Uh, he actually rolled bad. Uh, no, he does kill, kill quotations my autark he obviously hits him on a two plus it fucking does three mortal wounds to him so i didn't die and then i attack back and i put him down with the tag backs and it's like okay and he used one of his rerolls for his save to the roll a, a save for him right which he failed anyways so he still died right and then so he had a four plus to get up and he didn't have no rerolls for rerolls that. yeah and he didn't make the reroll he rolled a three and Gilliman didn't get up from a oh. dying altar. Oh no! Yeah, so and then Altar died, but I mean he did his job in the game. So that that one, I won that one by a good amount. I can't remember the scores. Yeah, yeah, but a very high amount on that one. And then my third game was against Danny Kwan. Yeah, Kwan. Uh, he plays Blood Angels and Dark Angels. The angels. The angels, basically. The Angels of Death. And he has Death Company. He has uh, the guys with the jump pack. The primaries guys with the jump packs. They have the plasma guns. Pistols. The Inceptors. I sure. I don't know what the they're called. They, their names sound too fucking similar. I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Intercessors GW. and Inceptors. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Smash Captains. Yeah. Uh, I deployed in a way and a big the MVP of that, Agent of Vect. Like, uh, the mistake he did is he put Blood Angels on the table. <laughs> he was saying that. Well, the mistake he made is he put his army on the table, and I was like, "What?" He's like, "Oh, I mean, his ah!" 
<laughs> we were yeah. at Hooters and drinking. And, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So what did he, he put his death company on the table to you know jump off the table and come down? Well, when you play against Agent Effect, I'm just not going to allow you to do that. You're, you're gonna have to foot slog it towards me, mm-hmm. right? And I'm fast enough to be able to manipulate. You should have deep struck them. If he could, if, if he would have just held him in deep strike, then they would at least been at least been in the game to be able to. But then he, like I they told, couldn't do their forlorn fury. The one thing though is yeah. I told him that, and he was like, "Yeah, but the power level stuff, because they're so high power level, it was hard to keep them off." And I, I couldn't really like. I, he should have been able to keep them off. Yeah. So he didn't. So he's on. So every agent of Vect was like, "Yeah, you're not jumping." And he was smart, though, because he was like, there was one turn, the first turn, he was like, I'm going to use the jump. So I infiltrated some rangers. I forgot I had rangers in my unit. So I infiltrated rangers to get uh, recon or the possibility of recon. Mm -hmm. But also it was to, because his death company was on the lines, but there was nothing in his backfield. So I had it back there like, hey, I have these rangers back here. You might need to kill them so I don't keep getting fucking recon just because there's a ranger unit back there. And so he... He he was like, well, before I move him, I'm I'm gonna use the jump. I was like, yeah, I know you're gonna go kill the Rangers, but sure, I stop it. But that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Make your opponent use it. Like, what if what if I said no? He might have jumped it and came back into my face, and then been all into my fucking tanks and stuff, and they would have killed probably two tanks. Take the attack. Right, because they move one, they've got that extra movement now. Now the next turn, they're doing it again. Yeah. Right. Or they could attack again. You could attack twice. So he made me use it. Um, good thing I rolled a six, and you didn't get the command point wow. back. Wow, yeah. But it's only one command point to do that shit, so right. whatever. And then he did his normal move. Like, he moved 12 and killed the fucking rangers. Well, he didn't kill them. He killed them so he could tie them up so they wouldn't be shot. Right. And then, like, he had guys come out and move a little bit. A smash cat, uh, smash fucker came in. I didn't know it was his warlord. He threw his warlord at me. Uh, he had the jump pack that you can't do Overwatch on. Yeah. Jumped up, killed my flyer, like, handily. He did, like, fucking, like, 30. Yeah, I did a bajillion wounds. Like, too, a yeah. 30-something wounds. And then he came down, he met to pile in into my other tank, and then attack. Well, when he went to attack again, I was like, no. Because Agent of Vectors. Agent of Vectors per, per phase. phase. So, I was like, no. And then I got, like, when I did both of these two times, I got some CPs back. So I wasn't doing it for That's three CPs. That's crazy CP. good, yeah. I was doing, like, the first one was for two, and the second one was for one. Goddamn. <laughs> Goddamn. Um, That's, so a, I, That's a free agent of Vec coming back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. You uh, got one of those for free. Mm-hmm. And then, so that guy died, and then he lost a lot. I killed more, held more. And then from there on, it was a down. Because then after that, I just always made sure I had three CP to stop him from jump. So I stopped his jump three turns in a row. Which made that him, hurts. That which hurts. made yeah. him have to like slog over to me, and I was able to take his army in pieces, and uh, and eventually. Because you know he built his army around the ability to, to make those jumps. Yeah, and well, I mean, we talked after the game. He was like, I just don't know how to like really go against Agent Effect. And I was like, honestly, I got a free Agent Effect out of it, so I actually had, I got An a lot of command one. points in that on that one. But then I, I'm still using command points to do the rear, the linked fire. I'm still doing command points to get plus one to casting on powers when I think it's needed. Um, so I won that one by a lot of points too. So like I say, my two wins were by a lot. And because my loss was by a lot, I ended up being second overall because of that loss being so high. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's like reiterate over and over and over when you're playing, even if you're losing, just don't, don't get mad. Sit there and have like kind of, you can relax now. And just, okay, like, how do I get my points? That's all. That's all. Where am I getting my points? I'm, I'm going to lose this. Fuck it. 
So where am I going to... If Farm it's a, your points, yeah. This is some fucking movement that you would have never have done if you were winning, but this one movement gives you a point. I'm going to overextend to kill it. this unit. Just do it. I'm going to move so I can screen this unit so I can still get my behind enemy lines, or I'm going to get my recon here. I got to get... I have to max out recon. I have to max out behind enemy lines. I got to get those, so go and, get them. And you'll actually be surprised that as long <laughs> as you keep that mindset throughout the game... You're coming like it's it's turn five, right? And your opponent's finishing up his turn five. You're bottom of turn five, and you're tallying up the scores. And like, I'm only one point behind because you've been doing that for the past mm-hmm. three turns. Like, okay, how do now? How do I win? Like, yeah. And then you could put and I've there's I've had to have games where that has been it, or it's come down to like, okay, if I can make this fucking ten inch charge, he should be able to kill him. And if I do that, I'll actually win. If not, we tie. Like, right. It's I don't know. Just stay focused in the game. Well, stay focused and play for that win and play for those points. I mean, when I beat Arthur, like when I got the Reaper turn one, when I killed 60 <laughs> conscripts or uh, cultists turn one, like the whole game changed for me. I was expecting that 40 man blob squad to survive and then the tide of traitors back. And then what was I going to do next? But when I killed it, I was like, holy fuck, my whole strategy just changed. Yeah. And I get my kill. I have to hold. I had board control. But I have to get recon and I have to get behind enemy lines. If I can max these out, I'm sure I'll win this game no matter what happens. That's what happened. It was 29-25, but because I made that move turn one, the entire way I played the rest of the game was really careful. Yeah. Like I just made sure I got recon and behind enemy lines. Nothing else mattered. There was two turns where I was like, I'm not going to kill anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not going to kill that thing. Because it was like um, fucking... Uh, uh, noise marines and if i shot them they'd have shoot back and kill them yep. they had recon yeah i can't do that just, you know get your points so stay focused in the game get your points and sometimes you'll, you sometimes may not you'll wanna, win you'll you'll dig out that win sometimes you may not want to shoot to win right yeah i didn't assault i didn't shoot like there's one turn i just moved i'm like i'm good <laughs> <laughs> your turn go <laughs> like and i i won 29 25 so just stay focused in the game those good things will happen yeah. yeah. So I mean, th- that was the game there. And then, uh, like I said, I played yesterday, Tuesday. Uh, what was it? The 22nd. And I went, I'm, I'm a part of the uh, Addies uh, League down there in Miramar. Poway. Poway. Or Miramar. Miramar, yeah. It's, 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 it's across. It used the, to be in Poway. It's across the street from, from Miramar, Miramar Air Station. Uh, Air Station. This is uh, a fantastic store. Like, yeah, they're definitely. Uh, place to check out if you're in the area if you're in the area you've not been to this place and if you're coming to visit come check out the store the location is gorgeous um they, got, they it, got beer yeah and there's, a, beer, there's, like a, there's a bar <laughs> next door um and you play it behind the bar yeah um i haven't played there when they played behind the bar i played when you played in the main store okay. well you need to go i need to go back down i haven't been there in a while it's but great. i remember playing it at ease when he was in Poway in a little post should be in the and, league i'll try I'll, I'll you know what i'll come down for a tuesday well, you have to. They're not going to play if you're not in the league because there's not going to be anyone's going to have a buy. Maybe I don't know. So if I just came down, I couldn't get a game or two. Well, if you came down, then people got to clean that and be mad at you. Okay, cool. They can be mad at me. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but oh. yeah, it, you you should check it out. Um, cool store, cool people that have been there. Um, I mean, there's a bar. I mean, how much more do you fucking want? There's plenty of tables. The train is also really good. Uh, they have boxes and a checkout system that you have to do for a fucking terrain. But it's all painted stuff. It's all tournament ready ITC stuff. Like you don't have no uh London GT foam stuff. So <laughs> it's pretty cool. 
uh, check it out. So anyways, you know, like I said, I, 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 part of it went down there to play it. Uh, yesterday was the first day. Uh, I met up with uh, Rock Liberty. I believe this is his last name. If I said it wrong, my bad. You'll get over it. Um, play, he played Corn uh, Demons with uh, Thousand Sons, basically. Zinch, uh, Thousand Sons. Uh, he had a Bloodthirster and shit ton of blood letters. He had uh, two Demon Princes that apparently can advance and charge. I didn't know Demon Princes can fucking do that. That was a learning experience. Yeah. Um, when somebody advances, they're like, yeah, I'm going to charge. Like, oh, shit. Fuck. <laughs> I already planned for you to move 12 inches, not, you know, 12 plus 6. Yeah. Uh, and some cultists holding the backfield. Uh, he had berserkers in there, uh, corn berserkers. And that was it. He didn't really have no shooting. I think if he took out the blood bloodthirster and took some, uh, you know, noise marines or some oblitz, maybe. Right. Do a little bit better. Uh, he, he got... He, uh, I gave him first. No, no. Uh, he won the roll first because we had a re-roll. And then I went to C's, but I didn't re- really care about that. I usually leave that to the dice. And he did move, but because he had no shooting, he didn't kill anything turn one. And I deployed so far back. I used a stratagem to redeploy to so make sure I was far enough away. And then on my turn, I literally, I let him have more, uh, Hold more because since he didn't kill more, as long as I killed one, I killed more. So we would right. have been equal. So I held objective, killed the bloodthirster, killed some uh, corn uh, berserkers, uh, a full unit, left another one unit at like five, uh, touched some blood letters so they wouldn't be in my lines charging with a wave serpent, didn't, couldn't touch anything else. And then I killed more. So I got three points to his two because he held more. Uh, or to his three, actually. It was three to three. We tied uh, the first round. And although my list was three uh, fire prisms, uh, four wave serpents, and then I had an outrider detachment with uh, scourges with two units of shredders and one unit of blasters. A farseer, my my autark with a Charbonaris, Archon. And that was pretty much the list. And then all the troops were just... Uh, Storm Guardians, bare bones, because just super cheap, 56 points. So that was my list. I shot turn one. Turn two was he, he made, his Demon Prince doesn't advance. And like, he's in like in this little pocket. Like literally there was like enough for him to fit. And then there was another pocket that the only roll he needed to get was a 12 to land precisely in this little hole. <laughs> and he was like, I'm going to charge. I was like, all right. And he rolls fucking boxcars. Like, ah. like, fuck. Fuck. And that changed my whole fucking like, plan that I was going into. Because like, when, when I play, I can kind of see how games like, or how that turn's developing. Right. So I'm already planning for my next turn. It's also a reason why I can finish all my fucking games. Because when it's my turn, it's things are happening. Like I'm already moving. You've already decided what you're going to do. I'm already what, what, I, what I'm going to do because I knew it was about to die. And if that thing's still alive, that's a bonus. If not, I already know what I was going to do. But when people do shit like that, it, screws it up puts everything. me back on, like, on my turn, I actually have to take a step back to be like, okay, what the fuck do I have to do to fucking correct this shit? Because he was not supposed to make a 12-inch charge. And when I say 12-inch charge, I have already knew that that's what his charge was if he did this certain move, and he did, and he happened to roll a 12. 
Though I don't plan for if he does make the 12 inch charge because that's like super low. Right. So then on my turn, I had to like, I was able to pull it out and kill things I needed to. I lost a little more things than I wanted to. Um, the Archon losing, like, again, baiting fucking attacks. He survived the first wave of attacks from the five uh, Corn Berserkers. And then he didn't attack him with the Blood Letters. So then the when the Berserkers went to attack again, of course they killed him. But then on the two plus, and because he was in the middle of like his whole army, I did mortal wounds to everything. everything. Came back alive, killed everything but one berserker, and then on my next turn I was able to fly out and like shoot another character, kill it with his melta and lance, and underslung gun, and then he died. But I mean he got way over his points what he was worth, so he did his job. I mean, and then after that turn two, I was able to correct him making that twelve inch charge. I had board control. I was surrounded his armies. Um, things Demon Princess died to mortal wounds from wave servants and stuff. Um, and then it was just I was able to play that game out twenty two to uh, thirty. But he, it would have been lower on his part. <laughs> so you know, fucking demons and they're they're yeah they have five up saves. Well, also when it comes to morale, <laughs> if you roll a one, get I, one get back. D, I get D six back. No, when it's infantry, D six back. D six back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So his blood his last blood unit that he had, turn five, I shoot it down to one model. Oh Jesus! He rolls leadership, rolls a one, gets six back. Like, oh, fucking Christ! Fucking good. Like all right, cool. Goes he kills uh, something that probably shouldn't have fucking died because they shouldn't have been there, and then my archon has one uh, wound left from being in a combat with another uh, blood unit that he killed. I was like, all right, I'm just going to charge these guys because there's fucking six. I shot everything I had left because, I mean, I did have a lot of things die, too. I had shot things, shot what was left. There was four blood letters left. So I charged the Archon. I was like, Archon, God, so he has five attacks. Hits on twos, re-rolls, okay? I get all my hits. I wound on fours because I don't have an, uh, the Husk Blade. I used the cheaper one, right. Agonizer, so it fits points. So I, I wound on fours because it's a poison. So... I go to wound. I only wound three times. He fails three times, but he only has that one fucking blood letter. <laughs> and that blood letter kills the Archon. And then, which I was fine. I was like, okay, that's cool. I could, I can lose that one guy. Sure. And then he rolls a one. Oh, no. <laughs> it gets four more back and doesn't die. So I don't get the kill something in the last turn. <laughs> he gets my Warlord. Because he, he like swings four points on his yeah. because of that one and he kills more. <laughs> I was like, son of a bitch. Yeah. Cause he rolled one twice. But hey, this is dice. There yeah. was there was one part of the game against Rock and I felt bad for him where like he did a psychic test, perils on double ones. So it doesn't oh, even go off. That's the worst one. And yeah. he was like, Oh, I'm gonna re roll. Like, all right. One. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> he re- he was like, at least let's see if I get it back. Rolls. A one. Oh, dude. Uh, fuck take that one die and melt it down no it was two different dice it was two two different dice yeah he rolled four ones in a row pretty bad for him but uh, i was like hey i know your pain man that happens to me a lot all the time yeah Yeah. so it was a good game it was fun yeah Uh, i was gotta drink beer it was cool yeah Uh, drinking beer is always good always good uh then now i'm gonna be playing alex today on the 23rd okay going to the store after this cool he's lonely so he's lonely he said he says his competition's easy, and now he he wants to play somebody that's better. Over game. So he gave so. me a, a compliment 
but like a backsided compliment yeah. to a store, but sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was the games played. Like I said, I play a lot, so. You play a lot. Do you have any maximum effort at all? I have things that are going to be maximum effort because I have to get them done. <laughs> well, um, in Bam's last show, um, and it probably might be the last show since we record this one, but he was talking with the guy from Iron Halo. And they were talking about the hobby track, of course. <laughs> um, Bam, I, I don't want to say he agrees with me, but he's sort of in the same side as me that he doesn't feel. I'm going to go ahead and assume that he agrees with you. Like my words were strong, right? But I have strong opinions, right? When I come on the well, show, I have a strong opinion, well, right? Bam's a soft guy. He is pretty soft. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty soft, a little squishy, <laughs> you know? You know, for being in the Midwest, he's, he's got some lip tart to him. You know, I think he, he could come to our side, but, you know, the Midwest keeps him on, you know, the deplorable side. I'm going to be offending a lot of people. <laughs> no, I'm sure. Then. I'm sure. But um, <laughs> he was talking about, they were, he had a discussion with the guy from Iron Halo. And that guy from Iron Halo disagreed and says, you know, if you get your stuff painted, I don't care who it's painted by, it should be competing. Right. Right. Not, I don't, he didn't use the word, he didn't use the word compete. I will take that back because I don't want to. You know, get caught for defamation or anything, but he did get, not use wanna, the word compete. You don't want to get sued. No, I don't get sued. But um, he did say that it should be allowed to be in the hobby track, which is fine. And I said there, you know, even in our show, I said there's no way to tell either way. There is there, there is, but there really isn't. Right? There is, but isn't. Like if, the, if the, the artist, if the somebody, artist will know. But if somebody doesn't fully, if somebody doesn't commission their entire army, there'll be a way to take right tell right. But he agreed that you have to put some kind of effort into it. I put a picture on the Facebook of my thumb. It was all bandaged up and everything. I burnt my thumb on hot glue and I ripped off like a big piece of my thumb's skin. Oh, and you were crying? I wasn't crying. <laughs> okay, I cried a little bit. I cried a little bit, just a little bit because I'm sensitive that way. But I was thinking in my head and I almost posted it, but now I'm going to say it. Fuck it. That's the reason. Why getting your shit done by someone else is not competing. <laughs> I've got scars on my hands where I cut myself with hobby knives. I got burns on my thumbs, right? I got I, somebody I have paint under on my fingernails and everything. That's competing. That's doing the hobby. Well, that's because right? you don't take showers. I do take showers. I got to jerk off somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's simple. It jerks off and goes right down the drain, right? It's clean. It's clean. Simple. It's it's sanitary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm covered in soap already, so it's good. <laughs> But um, for some maximum effort, of course, I did get all of my Carnifexes in before the last event. So I've been making, building, and painting Carnifexes. They're not done yet. I got to do some more. There's more painting that needs to be done. The close combat Carnifexes that I might take out are in the green paint scheme that you like. And the shooting ones are in the purple from my previous paint scheme. Only because I had one that was close combat already in the green and one that was purple in the shooting. I was like, okay, well... I mean, that also works for, like, on the table, like, the purple ones shoot. Yeah, purple ones green shoot, ones green ones, close you. combat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I like both paint schemes anyway. I'm starting to lean now more towards the green because the way it starts to come together. Uh-huh. But I'm going to do those shooting ones in the purple. So those are the ones that probably be on the table. Um, but now I wanna, I'm want to. i starting to work on lists that have the Swarm Lord in it. And so I really got to get to get to work on my Swarm Lord. Um, he's going to be in the green because he's a close combat guy. Uh-huh. So um, we get to work on him. Um, we could also make the green paint scheme your uh, Kraken. I could, but the thing is, my gene stealers are kind of already in purple. 
Oh. And I'm not going to go through and repaint 40 jeans. <laughs> Um, but I have, but because they're organic, I don't mind the mix and match of the paint schemes. Yeah, I do. I know you do. It bugs you. And that's why I kind of do it. I'm trying to offend your eyes, trying to offend you somewhat. (laughs) I don't mind offending you deplorable sometimes. I really don't. Deplorables don't get offended. We just get pissed. But yeah, I'm going to be working on those this time. And then because we got the death watch codex, I do have a bunch of primary shit. So I did actually start putting some stuff together. And I do have gene stealer cults that I'm still working on, and I'm I've built lists built around it that I'm trying to find a way to fit in. Now we, there was a discussion on the Facebook about do gene stealer cults still get to do their cult ambush on a five or six with a new the new um, FAQ? The rulebook FAQ rules as written says no. But it gives specific exceptions. Though. But the stratagem it specifically calls them out. Right. It says when you roll a five or six, so on the five you get to you move D three or you get to shoot. Right. See, but this this rabbit hole gets really really deep if you look at other armies. So, I mean, obviously I wouldn't bring my my elf sure. list, right? Right. So the incarn, right? Its ability or the only way to deploy it is in reserves. You cannot deploy it on the table. Right. Only when something dies does it get to deploy. And it dies. So if you kill your enemy unit, an enemy unit that's in their deployment zone, can you bring it on the board? That's its deployment. Right. So you just can't do its rule because, like, you I You have to wait till turn two. Like, I, have, I can't kill you because I need turn two so I could go over there. Right. Like, yeah, I could come and kill when you kill you, or your opponent kills you, but... That's kind of not the point all the time. <laughs> right. It's, it, it's, but see what I'm saying? Like, there's, but this is why I said when we talked to Frankie, like, I think the FAQ asked as many questions as it answered because they didn't really look into the codex and the rules they already had available to them. Like, Gene's to their cult. They're exempt from you can bring them anywhere on the board, turn one with cult ambush. Well, and then also, like we said about the Necrons and the death marks. Right. I mean, did you not just look at the codexes and the rules available to you? Like, you write this blanket rule, or was it that FAQ question, which was about moving again, right? Can a unit that comes in from reserve unit again with the ability like metabolic overdrive or the swarm Lord's ability, or there's another, you know, thing that happened, right? Most of them were Tyranid esque things, but, <laughs> and it said, no, it's assumed that they spent all of their energy coming in from reserve, which is a, a, a phrase that's been used in the past in previous editions, huh. which is fine, but it doesn't answer the question for very specific rules in someone else's codex or, or, um, index, huh. right. Which says you do these things if you do X. So on a six in the cold ambush, you just move again, you come in and then you move as this is your movement phase. Yeah. So does the, as if it were your movement phase, ignore all that. The big book FAQ says no, but does codex or index now overrule rule book and FAQ? Well, the way it's supposed to go is it's supposed to go big rule book, then codex, then FAQ. Then FAQ. But the FAQ is on the rule book. Yeah. So it's a tough question. So I would like to try to put genes to their cults into a list, but without that question being asked, I'm sure I could walk into an location, try to do cult ambush and have some say no you can't do that i'm sure i, I could you see can punch that them. i could punch them 
I would win too, but I don't want to win that way by punching someone in the mouth. <laughs> I'd like to rather just roll the dice, you know. It's 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 because like like I said, there's there's a the Eldar that have it. There's something in there. There's Necrons that have it. Um, so, I don't know of any chaos or any Imperiums that. Come yeah, in, but like, still, it's like there's there are rule books out there that it, that that's now a conflict. So which is it? And I emailed the FAQ folks, and of course, I have not heard back because I'm sure they get, they get a million emails a day about. And well, dick pics, apparently. Yeah, you didn't put a dick pic. I didn't put course. a dick pic, so I didn't get a response. Yeah, I should have put a dick pic in there, but that would have been for a whole... The response would have been for a whole different reason. You should have gave, like, under nut, you know? Under nut picture. Like, just taint in the backside of yeah, nuts. Yeah, To give them the illusion that, like, you could yeah. have some of this. Uh-huh. Like, the horizon of my butthole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. on that, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back. Do you believe the Emperor protects, or do you believe a false god sits on the golden throne, and death to the false Emperor? Regardless of whether you're a loyalist or a traitor, go to www.flyingmonkeycon.com www.flyingmonkeycon.com is Kansas' biggest wargaming convention with Warhammer 40k, Warhammer Age Sigma, Kings of War, X-Wing, Horus Heresy narrative events. It promises to be an amazing event set on the river of Wichita, Kansas at the Drury Inn. Get your tickets soon the weekend of June 22nd through 24th right here in the air capital of Kansas see you there what's up veteran gamers we are back with another edition of the show that drinks beer rolls dice and talks shit um, I am your host Andy and today we are joined by a very special guest uh, Jeff in control Robinson hey thanks for having me thanks for coming on the show um, of course the, the big news out of this weekend was the London GT, which is, you know, kind of why we reached out to you to have you on the show. Um, but uh, before we get into that, I sort of like to ask my guests some questions sort of about themselves. So we get to know, you know, you. Yeah. You know. Um, so first off, um, what's the control thing all about? Like the name? Yeah. Uh, I get asked that a lot. It's it was a team back in Brood War called the In Clan, and you just kind of made your name as In, like I N, and then something. Ah. Uh, but for a lot of people, they did like In Agent Nine Eleven and In Qwerty and stuff like that. So it wasn't necessarily a word with In in it. But me being like a twelve year old, I took it pretty literally and thought In Control sounded cool, and that's that's it. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's cool. You being a twelve year old, so I'm assuming you you've been a forty k player from way back in the day. Yeah, I'm 32 now, and I've been playing since I was about that time, 12, 11 years old. So what got you into the hobby? You know, honestly, um, kind of like a lot of things, uh, it was it was really, and you hear the story a lot in Warhammer in, in particular, but I was just at a buddy's house. They had, I think it was a Carnifex and a White Dwarf just on there, like, uh, I think it was a coffee table or something, like in between painting it, and I was like, what is that? And they kind of explained it to me, and... Uh, it just looked so damn cool and, and kind of sat there with me that um, I did the young person thing where, you know, for a birthday, I'd get a box of gene stealers for a Christmas. I'd be a whole hive tyrant and, and that kind of thing. Or I would do chores and get a couple other stuff. 
you know, I'm, uh, I kind of, I know of you. I know you don't know who I am, but I know of you and sort of yeah. your history in, in 40K. And <clears throat> I feel like we're kind of kindred spirits here because I also play Tyranids and I also play Admech. And I also yeah. have some Steen Schiller cult. Uh, I haven't dabbled too deep into the Imperium nonsense, but, it's um, coming, right? yeah. <laughs> um, you know, every time I would check, you know, the tournament rankings and whatnot, and there you always were playing Tyranids or Admech. And I was like, we're playing the same thing. So I must be doing something okay. <laughs> yeah. That, it's funny how much that happens. I don't know if there's something to it, but a lot of, um, a lot of my fellow Tyranid friends are like, yeah, my next army was Admech. I, th- I think it's something to do with, you know, robots, and if we can't have our alien bug people, we got to have our robot people, I suppose. I wanted to do something exactly the opposite of Tyranids, and I thought, what could be the exact opposite? And at the time, it was Admech. I wanted to play instead of with 120 models, I wanted to play with 12 models. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when did you decide that uh, playing 40K competitively was um, the thing you wanted to do? It kind of it kind of just um, happened. I, Mostly of what I play, if I if I'm going to enjoy it, I kind of take it to a competitive place. That doesn't necessarily mean it becomes my job or I travel the world. But for instance, like you know, I grew up playing. <laughs> excuse me, I'm getting I have like this travel cold thing. Um, kind of like everybody else, I played Mario Kart 64 and Gold Nine, and that's all fun. And you know, certainly the single player ish is cool. But what's more cool is having three of your buddies there and, and beating their face in, right? So it's kind of the same thing with Warhammer where, like, start off with, that looks awesome. Then I'm reading the Terran Codex, and I'm like, this is really cool fluff. And then late at night, I'm uh, flipping through the the big rule book and just literally reading about the Emperor as a dead zombie on a throne. And I'm just <laughs> like, this is the most badass stuff. But then from there, you know, me and my friends would play. Like, they had orcs, they had Dark Eldar, I had Terranids. And it, it's fun to play, but I've just never been the kind of person where, like, if I'm just getting smashed, and I'm like, you know what? Good for you for beating me. That's great. No, I, <laughs> I kind of always go back to the drawing board and be like, all right, why did I lose? And I always wanted to win, and it just kind of took off from there. But I, th- I guess the, the real place, and I, I try to give this guy as much credit as I can, because uh, certainly he gets enough crap. Um, but I, I moved to California when Evil Genius is the company I was working for. Uh, the StarCraft Two organization, well, yeah. I guess multi-gaming organization. We moved to um, from Arizona to California because that's where we were centralized. And one of the first things I did was reach out to just some some store, some local gaming store, and be like, "I want to play Warhammer. What do you guys do?" And I heard this crotchety old voice that I thought was surely a morbidly obese guy, <laughs> uh, but it turns out it's just Reese. He's like, "Yeah, come on down. We'll play some games." Uh, and then, you know, kind of kindred spirits. He, he also is a very competitive guy. Even if he's teaching me, he's teaching me to play better and to win. So, um, I just gravitated to them and they couldn't kick me out of the store fast enough. And I just kept coming back and playing. That's awesome. You know, I, I just sort of recently got into more of the competitive side. I always, you know, enjoyed tournaments and everything, but I never took them too seriously. But yeah. Ray, Ray just decided he was going to ruin the game for me and make me play competitively. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, I was the, the the reason why you probably never met me before because I was the guy playing at the bottom tables. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> you're doing a podcast. You're making content. You're doing you're doing good work. No, it's cool. I I enjoy the hobby. I enjoy the game, and that's that's what I like to talk about. So, yeah. uh, the 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 last kind of thing that me and Ray like to talk about is our um our love and our appreciation 
for big boobs and fat asses. Now, where in the big boob and fat ass pantheon do you fall into? Are you a big sure. boob kind of guy or a fat ass kind of guy? Uh, well, I think I'm contractually obligated to say that I am preferable to the exact dimensions of my beautiful and lovely wife. <laughs> That is a that is a good answer. Um, yeah. <laughs> I heard that you're sort of akin to the Tom Brady of the 40k world. You're really good at this thing, and you're married to someone really beautiful. So, um, how does it feel to be the Tom Brady of 40k? Uh, you know, for some people that'd be a really mean reference, but I actually think Tom Brady is a and Giselle Bundchen are, are two probably. You know, if we had to like, oh no, let's distill life into like five ex- five people to. <laughs> replicate the rest of our existence they'd be on that short list so i take that as a compliment but no i'm really lucky um i think one of the the best parts about being in the situation i'm in is not only is anna really really beautiful but she's very supportive of my hobby um i i was a competitive starcraft 2 player that's and i didn't know this i didn't know that i was into starcraft as an outlet for competition but i kind of learned over the years that i need I need some semblance of like this thing is off in the horizon if i do really well i can win that i can I can put work into it and I can get, you know, something out of it. Um, but when I retired from StarCraft II and became more of a personality slash uh, host and commentator, there was a there was a void there. I didn't have anything and I, I suck at golf and I'm not built for <laughs> basketball. I did some competitive lifting for a while, but you really need a partner for that. And um, so it kind of became this thing where I was like, what am I going to do? But I didn't even know this discussion was happening in my head, but then Warhammer filled that space and I'm very thankful to have a, a partner that's extremely supportive of that because because I know people that are in these like contentious situations where they're like ah, I, I snuck in another box of Skitari, you know and yeah. the wife finds out I'm in a lot of trouble but I'm okay for now and it's like it's not like that it's, it's really nice so I, I count my lucky stars yeah my wife is also very supportive not only do I play but I also have the podcast I've got you know the website yeah. the the Facebook I'm always making you know we've got listeners and fans and um yep sponsors and like I'm doing all these things you know and it's she's very supportive of what I do she's a listener to the show so hey babe love you shout out oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, so she's very supportive as well and so she's always like asking me questions she actually started playing AOS to kind of join me in oh, part of the hobby that's really cool congratulations that's awesome thanks uh, we're getting my kids involved so I'm trying to make it like a family thing so one of my kids is paintings um, uh, Stormcast Eternals my wife's playing Sylvaneth um, we're trying to get games in um, so I'm trying to invite them into my little nerd life, you know, yep. um, but I'm too old and fat to play sports anymore. So <laughs> well, now you just get to talk about it. So that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> just an aficionado of, of those things. I still enjoy sports. It's just, I just could, if I got injured, I couldn't work and you know, so I got to find yeah. some other competitive outlet to put my juices into because I played football in high school. I was in the military. You know, I had those competitive things, but you know, have, being able to find something where I could put that competitive energy into is helpful. Oh, it's huge. And like you said, too, not, not that we need to turn this into a huge commercial for Warhammer, because I think your audience is probably already sold on this, but uh, kids playing it, I can't think of a better thing. Like, that was a huge part for me, because Warhammer is so social, but it also gets the creative juices flowing. You're reading a whole bunch, because you're reading the codexes, you're reading the fluff. I didn't realize it, but I was I was involved in this thing that was just, like, just generically very good for a young person to be participating in. And, and then as an adult... My job is to sit in front of the computer and entertain and stuff like that. But if I didn't have Warhammer, I don't know how much I would be getting out of the house, talking to other people, going to social events and stuff like that. So it's, it's just an amazing balancing thing. Yeah, we might be sitting in a, a dungeon somewhere or a, a basement somewhere, yep. just like clicking on our own computers and not talking to anybody. 
Too real. That could easily happen. That could easily happen. So, um, how was the royal wedding? <laughs> you know, I was worried because it was funny because when I first mentioned this trip to my my wife Anna, um, she was like, "I think that's." And this is like three months ago. She's like, "I think that's when the royal wedding is." And I was like, "No, it's not. No." <laughs> and then we look, and it's the exact same weekend in London. So. I I was going to be really worried that every hotel was booked, the streets were blocked up, and it was going to be this terrible thing. But to be honest, uh, we were in Stratford, which is like a a little ways away from downtown London, and London's a big ass area. Yeah, uh, we didn't see any of it, so it didn't affect us at all. So you weren't able to see uh, Megan and the Prince? Nope, nothing like that. I was really I was really curious if they if they had done up his cod piece and sort of the David Bowie esque labyrinth thing, and you know he was really set for the day, but. I think, yeah, I think it's whatever you want it to be. You can imagine <laughs> it's a normal wedding, any of it, yeah. A normal wedding with giant cod pieces. Yeah, it's a normal wedding. Yeah, sure. I can see that happening. Um, so to to the, the news of the moment, mm-hmm. um, which I don't, you know, um, it, it's really interesting that we're having these major events and all of a sudden this major controversy is coming out of all of them for some reason. Yeah. I don't want to say all of them. And it may have something to do with that now where people are live streaming these games and more people can catch things online. Um, but it's interesting that, you know, we had the, the incident at the LVO and now we have the incident here in the long, you know, uh, the, uh, the London GT. Um, is there something about the new competitive, like is, is the competitive scene changing or has it always been this way? We're just now catching onto it. No, you're absolutely onto it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a cool feeling to be around. I often talk about this with, uh, some of the people I'm working with, with kind of doing that stuff for Warhammer. Um, but I was around for the beginning of, Starcraft becoming kind of more of an esport, and it started off with a bunch of people that this is just what they love. So fuck, you know, there's no imagination of making money, or there's no aspirations of this going somewhere. They just did it because they loved it, and that's been brute. Uh, excuse me, that's been Warhammer, right? That's it's just been something that a lot of people really love in different capacities too, which is I guess where it's different. But in the last few years, because there's this kind of glimmer of hope that organization can give way to actual competitive play, like organized competitive, you know, global Warhammer play, it's starting to escalate. And to your point, for me, the the big kind of revelation that that moment is coming, whether we like it or not, was LVO 2000. It's so weird because it's it's the previous season's LVO, but it took place this year. So it's like LVO 2018, I guess. Um, But that whole Tony Grappando thing, was like it was a guy that really, really, really wants something, went about it probably not the best way. I think we can say that with a lot of confidence. But then we were, you know, the way Alex handled it in, in, in response, the way the community kind of got around it, it was like, hey, look, this is going to be a big deal. Uh, this is not the part of the, the big deal we want to put forward, right? We don't want to, we don't want to show everyone that some crummy stuff can happen, some right. great stuff can happen too. But whether we like it or not, these streamed games, these big competitions with thousands of dollars on the line is very important to these people, and it's going to be heading in that way. So it's kind of cool. You know, I, I think people put the emphasis on the money is the problem, but really there's not – I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, there's not that much being money being tossed around at these 40K events, no. if at all. I mean, even if you won you know, a trip to Las Vegas for a weekend, you'd be lucky to win your – you know, your trip back if you won that thing, you know, like you said, lucky. I mean, I, I, I scoff at that for right now because until we have like professional players that are salaried and sponsored, um, it's not even in the, in the same realm of discussion, right? Like the, every, everyone that's at that level owns three or four armies and have spent 
we shouldn't say the number out loud for fear of our, <laughs> our spouses getting back at us. Yeah, uh, But thousands and thousands of dollars. We're sending ourselves to these trips. We're paying entry fees to get into it. So, no, it's not the money. The money is a representation of the prestige. Um, it, a very, very nice tournament has a cash prize. Uh, and that's how you, you know, that's that's kind of why it is a very nice tournament. But it's not because of the money. Tony Grappano wasn't like, I need that three thousand dollars you know it's it's nothing like that it was just it was that he wanted to be the champion of that tournament well it's the pride it's you know i tell i talk to people all the time especially when i start telling about my hobby and they kind of look at me sideways sometimes and go what do you do um but i mean if you're into anything you want to be you want to perform the best at it mm-hmm. um if you know if you're into playing basketball even on just on weekends you're you're practicing there's guys hitting you know you said you're bad at golf there's guys hitting golf balls at the range every day trying to get even mediocre at the game, right? Um, right. If, if you're really into something, you should put the effort in. You should try. And, you know, when you reach the level of, you know, you and Tony Grappando and um, Nick Nunavati, and you're reaching those th- that level of play, you know, it just gets yeah. intense. It gets heated. You're playing the best players at the thing that you're best at. Well, I think it attracts a certain kind of person too. Specific, and it's worth noting again, competitive Warhammer, right? Because there's sure. the nice thing about Warhammer is it services so many different kinds of people. And there's someone listening to this right right now, sipping a mug of hot cocoa, being like, "That doesn't describe me at all." And it's <laughs> totally fine. But for a lot of us, like you have a football and military background, I have sports and competitive debate and stuff like that in my background. Tony Grappano, for instance, is a competitive uh, weightlifter. What's that thing called? God dang it. You know the competition where you weightlift? You do a whole bunch of stupid lifts. Uh, I thought it was just weightlifting. No, it's a, it's something we both know. I'm just blanking on the name. Anyways, it's that organization. They do a whole bunch of clean and jerks and all that stupid lifts. and CrossFit. Thank you, Chad. Oh, CrossFit. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, he does CrossFit. And it just attracts people that when they do something, they want to win at it. As opposed to like, I'm just kind of here. And what what do you know? It turns out I'm really good at it. That story doesn't happen very often in Warhammer. Well, I, I think if you want this, if you want to call it a sport, to reach the level of like esports, for instance, where people are going to tune in and watch, you need those personalities. You need those try-hard personalities. Absolutely. Um, but with that try-hard personality, sometimes you get an unintended consequence. <laughs> yep. Um, and I, I guess I'll ask you: Does does competitive forty k attract an, a certain level of asshole? I guess. <laughs> uh, it. So I don't know if it it attracts necessarily the asshole, but it definitely creates a breeding ground for where you can become an asshole. And I don't mean like become an asshole as in that defines you as a person, but in that moment, in that game, or maybe even just the way you play, you're kind of an asshole, right? Like there's, if you're playing a competitive game of Warhammer, and I think this becomes only more true the further up you go, um, there's going to be some discussion on rules going back and forth. And that's not necessarily, I would say 98% of the time, that's not one person trying to pull a fast one over the other one. It's interpretation. It's meta that's determined by region, right? Like if someone from San Diego plays somebody from, uh, North Texas, those two areas play Warhammer very differently. Um, it's not so different that they're like, well, we count sixes as 17s. And it's like, no, it's not like that, but. But everything's bigger in Texas. So but touching terrain is different or we play levels over there. or That's clearly a hill. And the other guy's like, we never play with hills. And that that kind of discussion goes back and forth. So how you go about that uh, is very important. But then the further up you go competitively, all of a sudden there's going to be that voice in someone's head. But it's like, well, I 
I don't know that that's necessarily how that person's treating that terrain. I'll wait until they put their whole unit up there and then I'll go ahead and be like, nope, that's not how they play terrain here. And right. Aha, I gotcha. You know, and then that's a dick, that's a dick hole move. And that kind of stuff is uh, kind of like a, a question you have to ask yourself. Like, is that how you want to win? Right. You know, Ray will admit that he is a self-professed asshole. Um, and so that's why it sort of attracts him to this level of play. Um, sure. <laughs> it's a shame he's not here to defend himself or at least admit to it, but I think he would admit to it. Um, but I, I play He'd admit to it for sure. Yeah, I'm sure he would. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I've been in those moments where, I mean, even at a bottom table, like someone was doing something, I'm like, oh, I'm not sure about this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I was playing at the the uh, SoCal Open this last year and something was happening where I didn't think that's the way it worked. And we had a heated moment. And then at one point I looked at the guy and I go, we're at a bottom table, like, like what are we what are we arguing for? Let's just right. finish this, let's finish this game out. Of course, we weren't playing for the championship, of course. Um, but you know, you're e- even at a bottom table. You're playing your hardest. You're trying your hardest. The game, it's a game. So there's a winner and a loser. You don't want to be the loser, you know. Right. So it's going to cause you to try to do maybe do some things you wouldn't normally do. It's just do you go through with it and do it. Um. So with that being said, I'm going to ask bluntly. Mm-hmm. Um, you can answer this if you want to or not. But did Alex cheat? Yeah, I mean, you can ask it bluntly. I think it, it bears a, a larger discussion, though. I've been thinking a lot about this because um, it's it's a, a subject that a lot of people want to know about. Um, you're, you're the first to the punch, but I've got like three other podcasts I want to ask. I'm that sure. Very, I'm like, sure. Because it's a very it's a big topic on uh, in our scene. Um, when I was playing, Alex did it run through my head the entire time. Like this guy's cheating. Like I just caught him right there. He's cheating. Nope, not a single time. To be honest with you. Um, the, for the greater good on the hammerheads, was that something that I thought he went into this tournament was like, if nobody catches me on this, I'm totally going to win. Absolutely not. You'd, you'd have to be levels of stupid that go beyond comprehension to do that as a high profile player, because you absolutely are going to get caught, especially on stream, especially if it's just a rules thing like that, where a bunch of people are going to be like, nope, that's not how you play that. And then you're caught. Right. So, so no, I don't think so. I think that was a mistake. Um, some of the other stuff that did happen and, and is caught on camera, I think what's really interesting for me and is the safer answer uh, is like looking at those things in a vacuum. Could all of those have been mistakes? Nudging the model with the glass, picking up the wound counter and putting it down at two points less, um, talking about trading in cards but not really doing it. Yes, all of that could be a mistake or all of that could literally be literally be in the moment. This is how I'm going to get my edge. I'm, I'm doing this, right? It's not like this huge pre-planned thing where he comes in with his Jeff over there and then and then like behind right. his back changes something. It's not like that. It's just some players play this way. Um, so before I get more into that, I just want to say uh, what the to get to my point. The interesting thing is you can't give some people the benefit of the doubt, and I think that in and of itself is the important part. So I guess a lot of people don't know this. But Alex, unfortunately, has a really rancid reputation mm-hmm. uh, in England. And I had – and I'm not even making this – there's nothing to embellish here or make up. Before our game, I had no less than 10, maybe 15 people from that area come up to me and be like, hey, just so you know, he plays fast and loose. He's going to try some pull some shit on you. Only they said this all in like really British-y talk. So it was like, he's going to take the piss, mate. He's going to fuck around. you got to stop fucking around. <laughs> I was like, all right, yeah, yeah. And then after the game, a whole bunch of people kind of congratulated me on how I how I went about conducting myself because that's how you have a pretty straight-up game with Alex. And when you have a pretty straight-up straight game with him, 
He's a really friendly guy. He's pretty damn like we didn't have any knock him down arguments and fights and stuff like that. Um, and he's a good player too, so it feels good to beat him. But right. then when you see it happens on tape, it becomes very difficult to look at all of those things and say, you know what? Nothing's going on here. Those are all accidents. Um, especially when the response is stuff like, why would I do that? Or, uh, it's an accident. I just picked up that dice. But then, but then we get into this, and this is the part that I really kind of want to focus on. I really don't like that what then ends up happening is that for me personally, I get sucked into this like mucky muck of like, now Jeff's explaining how he does think the guy cheated against him. And then, and then his counterpoint is, yeah, well, you tried to use grand strategist on day two of our one game again. And it's like, that kind of stuff doesn't go back and forth when you're playing a Sean Naden, when you're playing a Nick Rose, like a really honorable top-notch guy. Mistakes happen between the players, but there's no accusation of cheating or worry about that because sure. they both want to win the legitimate way. So that's that, to me, is the worst part. We can't give him the benefit of the doubt, and I come out of this with him like soft accusing me of trying to cheat a couple of times. And some people were like, Jeff was a real asshole in that stream. But then I have to explain I was being an asshole because if you're not, then he's going to be picking up more dice. He's going to be rolling higher dice. He's going to, he's going to do some of this fast and loose stuff that if you're just kind of like, you know, Alex, you do you. And he's like, Hey Jeff, I got two hits out of 20. And you're like, that's great, man. Good rolling over there. You know? And then, and, and then I go back home not the champion of the Invitational, and I've been taken advantage of, and I feel like shit. So I had to be a dick. Well, I'm glad I get to be that first asshole because to ask you publicly how to explain this. So, like, <laughs> point of honor there. Um, but um, I, I knew we had a lively discussion on our Facebook on, I mean, we, we saw the videos, we saw mm-hmm. the timestamps, we saw the end result. Um, and, I mean... I know some people had some strong opinions on it. You, I mean, you're you're not going to come out and publicly say, or at least a hundred percent say that it was cheating, because I mean, these rules discussions happen back and forth all the time. Right. Um, and you know whether it was not, but like you said, you can't take these things in a vacuum. Like if it was the one time something like this happened to this kind of person, and we all know there's people in different communities, and we all know who they are. Um, yep. who have been accused or are known to be either play fast and loose or just flat out try to cheat people. Um, so I think for a lot of players, you don't end up making that top level of play when that does happen. You know, there's been games where, you know, you feel you've been cheated where yep. someone was playing fast and it leaves that really bad taste in your mouth. And it's usually one of that, that really high end player in your local store, your local meta, who's doing it. Right. So for a lot of people who don't play at that high level, the, the response wants, the, you know, I, I can speak for myself. The response wants to be, yeah, ban him, take care of it, do it, like get at, get him out of our community. Right. And that's and that's what you saw a lot online. Um, yeah. On our Facebook, on the London GT's Facebook, you saw it. Um, but there was, you know, so many stories. And it's hard to say <clears throat> that these people knew that this guy was actually cheating. And even the people who came up to you and said, yo, mate, this guy's a cheetah. You know? Yeah. Um, my best London accent there. You know, I was trying. Spot on. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Um, it's hard to even know if they have actually played this guy or if they just also heard, you know, through the grapevine that this guy, you know, is known to play fast or lose or be a cheater or whatnot. But, you know, I, I think in the, the, the community wants some level of professionalism out of this, if we're going to be Absolutely. a sport, right. And cheating needs to be punished. 
Yeah, and that's the part that you take away from this. Um, like I said, Alex is a really lovely guy, so it's unfortunate that it's now his name that's being used. Well, it's unfortunate, but it's also self-inflicted, so I don't feel that bad. But um, let's say there's an excuse for all of it, every single thing. So back in Age of Sigmar, he was saying that there was no audio for when he was on the Warhammer stream, and that's why he nudged the guy towards the objective. That's a that's a pretty big dose of bullshit because <laughs> if that was true, he wouldn't have been banned and it wouldn't have been big drama. Like his opponent would have been like, no, no, no I totally, I told him, told him to do that. Uh, and then there's been a bunch of other instances and there's been a bunch of people. And, and to that, he kind of explains away saying there's people that don't like me. They talk smack, but at some point and to your point too, you have to get to a place where you're like, you know, listen, it's not like this for everyone. There's not this like fake identity that is, you're just the victim of where, you played a little fast, so now everyone hates you. That's not how it is. Warhammer is a self-policed community for right now because oh, we don't yeah. have a governing body, right? Like Games Workshop is finally starting to kind of edge in that direction. But even then, they would not want to ban anybody in a million years because that's just too much responsibility. <clears throat> that's one less um, customer. One less customer, too much responsibility. It's not something they do, et cetera, et cetera. So – my my perfect world is situations like this happen where and then you have like this uninvited come to Jesus moment where it's like, hey, this is the punishment. And then the response should be, hey, look, I don't necessarily agree with everything that was said, but I acknowledge that I'm making people uncomfortable and I've played some things fast and loose. I'm going to make a concerted effort to improve. I'm sorry about that. Who the fuck responds to that message with like, well, I still hate you. Probably nobody. Oh, for yeah. the most part. But it is the internet and it's Warhammer, so I guess sure, there are some yeah. people. But <laughs> the most reasonable chunk of people are going to be like, all right, fair enough. Uh, and then you and then you improve from there, and you can. And I think this community would forgive people and, and does forgive people too because we've got other people that have done some bad shit as well. Um, but instead, when the response is always, no, nope, they don't like me. That's a mistake. Why would I do that? I was tired. Nope, nope. And you're going down this like list of things, and it's the third time there's been some big drama publicly about you around this. Then it's kind of like, you know what? Maybe some, maybe there is something to this. Maybe it's not all correct, and I understand being defensive because there's a bunch of people piling on on you. But at some point, you need to do that. And I and that is you know kind of your your overall question where where we're going. That has to be what people do because it's going to happen. Next LVO on that table, someone is going to get a rule wrong. Is that them intentionally cheating? No, it's not. Someone's going to re-roll a dice that they already rolled. And the chat's going to be like, oh, my God, he already rolled that. And, yeah. you know, is, is like a, a group of, of SWAT people going to come in, kick out their knee and drop them and, and lug them off? Probably not. That's not what should happen. But there should be an open discussion around, like, you know, how we improve the situations so that doesn't happen. When it does happen, how do we handle it? And then when people are caught in those kind of situations, because, you know, a good example, by the way, too, is Andrew Gagno at Adepticon was using a relic incorrectly. Did he go into this tournament saying, I'm Andrew Gagno, I'm going to use this relic incorrectly, and, and they'll never catch me. There's, you know, there's no mangy dog and it's friends, too, or anything. No, he did not. But when he was found, what did he do? He said, I'm sorry, that's egregious. I'm dropping. I, I right. feel bad that I beat people. I, I, I do not belong here. I'm sorry. <laughs> And then guess what? Nobody talked about it again. It's forgiven. That happens to everyone. Well done. But when you kick and scream and act like, uh, you know, it's it's everybody else's problem, it's going to live on. It's going to go on for a while. Yeah. You know, I always say that, you know, if you think you're right and everyone else is wrong, then maybe it's you. You're, you're acting a certain way and the community believes you act a certain way. You kind of have to look inside and say, well, maybe it is me. Maybe I am doing something. 
You know, if, if the perception is you act a certain way, maybe you're putting off the perception you act a certain way. I talk to, I tell this to my kids all the time, you know, yeah. um, you know, if, if you believe you're the only one who's right, more often than not, you're probably wrong, you know, and especially, right. you know, and especially in a community where we're, and we talked about earlier, this is a social game, right? If nobody wants to socialize with you, I don't care how good you are. You're not having any fun. And in the end, this is a game. It's supposed to be, we're supposed to be having fun, right? right. And it looks like sometimes when you get in the situation, it doesn't look like any fun at all. <laughs> you know, yep. I mean, you pay lots of money. You went over there to, to London. It's, it's not a cheap flight. It's, it's not a cheap experience. You ultimately go there. Yeah. You want to compete, but ultimately the goal is to have fun, right? But it doesn't yep. look like it, it, when you take that, it, I mean, if you all you want to do is play competitive, you don't care about the fun, then okay, cool, right? But for the other people you're going to play at your local game store or in your local community, they're looking to have a good time. And if you're going to be that asshole that turns them off because you're mismeasuring or you're intentionally picking up the wrong dice or you're intentionally playing fast and loose with the rules, it, it it's sort of killing the hobby right there. you know. And I think that's why we have that big um, conflict between competitive gamers and non-competitive gamers which you know seems to exist and it shouldn't exist but it is yeah you know um and it, it's unfortunate but there are, you know i've been to some of my local game stores where i knew there was this guy i really don't want to play but he's the only one available so fine i'll go ahead and play you know right. and then i walk away with a feel bads moment <laughs> yeah um but um there, there's been some discussion about the quote unquote banning, the lifetime banning, mm -hmm. um, that this was potentially a smokescreen for the other, you know, news of the day, as it were, around the London GT. That, um, the GT, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to pile on here or kick a dead horse. Oh, yeah. just, the news is the news yeah. that the GT was a, a wreck from top to bottom. Yep. <clears throat> it, it wasn't a smokescreen. I'll, I'll just come on and say that. Um, it was just a mishandled way of like, that's the other kind of funny thing is we don't really know how to handle this stuff. And, and by we, I mean, beyond Zach, who's the, the guy that put on the tournament, uh, everyone, right. Um, we are just so lucky that Alex Fennell is like this, uh, this just beacon angel of a man <laughs> because with the Tony Grappando thing, that wasn't particularly handled well at all either, but the story became, look how amazing Alex is. And then there's no way to, there's no wrong way to handle that. There's just like, let's tell people this story as much as we can. And all of a sudden, $10,000 is going off to charity and people are talking about how to rise up to the situation. It's like a really proud moment. Um, not taking his statement and life banning him, which, you know, all of that and, and saying it the day after before you address the, the mistakes you made with your own tournament not the way to do it, right? So then it invites the conversation where people are like, this is a smokescreen. It's like, no, uh, not at all. Like, it was later addressed that the tournament was shit by Zach. Uh, and, you know, there's promises of improving on that. But the tournament being shit doesn't diminish what happened there as well and, and the hopefully valuable lesson and discussion to be had from that. Because um, to go back to what you said, too, like, I think it's an interesting discussion and obviously we, we don't have all day to talk about this, but I wish we did. Cause it's a very, it's something we're all kind of familiar with on some level, but I've got all day. I got a 12 pack of beer, no place to be. So <laughs> I don't have all day. Uh, but that guy at the store that you don't like playing, does he walk in and think to himself like, 
oh, yeah, I'm going to really get under his skin and piss him off, and that's how I'm going to destabilize his mental state and win the game. No, he doesn't. When the dice get rolling and when he's in competitive mode, uh, that's how they play. When Alex is at the table, is he looking around for ways to cheat? No. No, he's not. I'm, I'm 98% certain of that. But when the moment arises where he's like, there's a dice there, I can well, you know, one more extra dice in here, or uh, that dice kind of rolled, I'll, I'll move it. Like spur of the moment, stuff like that? Yes, I think that does happen. And what's more common with cheating, um, which I think we use kind of loosely in the Warhammer community, but the more common cheating is just the the very like, Roll a dice. Yeah, it's a hit. You pick it up, and, and your opponent's like, it was a hit. I didn't see it. They're like, yeah, it was. And you feel like shit in the moment. You're like, oh, that, that's kind of dirty. But there's so much dice flying around, and there's so much things happening. You don't you don't sit there and like really preemptively think to yourself, like, this is how I'm going to get them. You just kind of do it, right? So I think what's really important to come out of this is that we all get a little self-reflective and all kind of think about these different things. Like, if you haven't played a certain unit and you just take it to a tournament... If it's a local RTT, not a big deal. But if there's people flying in from around the world and you're a really good player and you're destroying people by misplaying this unit, that's on you. That's kind of a shitty thing, right? right. Uh, and I've done that before too, by the way. It's not like I'm not, I'm not up on my high horse. I was – the first couple games I played, I, I traveled to Portland, Oregon, which is not international by any means, of course, but it still is a travel tournament. It feels international. Was, Portland's a little different, so it feels a little international sometimes. Yeah, sure. Uh, I was intercepting with it, my unit of Virtus Praetors, um, which you cannot do. It's it's only Custodes Infantry right. for a stratagem. Um, and I destroyed a couple of strike teams. And at the end of the day, did it change the result that much? No. But that is cheating. That That's that's me taking a unit, not quite understanding the rules well enough, going to a tournament and, and making it harder for somebody else or flat out just cheating them. Uh, and that's bad, but that's kind of the common Warhammer thing that happens that we can all kind of look at and, and do better on. But if you're picking up a dice that's a miss, if you're rolling to seize and you snatch it up, and you're like, "Yeah, it was a six, and your opponent's like, "What?" You've all of, you've just started that uncomfortable feeling that we've all been in. We've all played that person, and they're not bad people. But just be self-reflective on how like you don't like it, they don't like it. Don't do that, right? Just try not to do that. <laughs> I, I think we've all made those rules errors, you know. Um, I almost did it in an RTA I went to last week and I just, I didn't understand a stratagem, how it worked on different units. And I almost used it. Didn't, didn't become happening, but it, my intent was to use the stratagem on an incorrect unit. It didn't become a thing, but I walked out of the tournament. And I went, Oh my God, I almost did that. Right. Yeah. Had I actually done that, would I, I probably would have felt bad. Right. Um, yep. but we've all made those rules errors. Cause there's, I mean, there are so many rules in this game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there are just so many. And it's, I mean, it's just almost impossible to understand all of them. <laughs> so, I mean, you're going to have rules questions. You're going to have rules errors. And especially when you're trying out new units or a new army or something like that, you're going to, you're going to read the stuff you want to read. And Tau players are notorious for this. Um, just reading like that top line of a rule and not reading that bottom line of a rule where it says, but, um, right. But, uh, uh I got a friend who's a Tau player as well. And we pick on him all the time. So I'm not, you know, his name is also Alex. So this is a little <laughs> apropos. Um, but you're always going to make those rules errors. And it's all about policing yourself and saying, if you did make that mistake, can you go back and fix it? Or, oh, shoot, I did this. Is there any way I can make up for it? Or, yeah. you know, when I play, I don't want to win the wrong way. I want to know I won legitimately when I won those games. And, you know, I guess coming from a, a you know, a sports competitive environment, cheating was always treated as bad and always treated as not well. And, you know, did you really want to win that way? Um, but I, 
I think if it, cheating, and I said this on our Facebook group that it's just, there's zero tolerance for it. I mean, if it's a, if it's a legitimate mistake, we, we made a, you know, a mistake, that's fine. You go back and fix it. Admit to it. Right. I made yeah. a rules error. I admit to it. I screwed up. I fucked up. I, I apologize to my opponent. I really fucked up. Um, like what happened to Depcon? I fucked up. I drop. Like, there's no other choice. I have to do that. But if you go in and say, Oh, I, I keep doing all these things. Everyone's pissed off. I'm going to defend myself. You know, now you look like the dick. Now you're, now you're the asshole. Yeah. Um, and I, I almost want to even start the, I, I've said this in the past before and, uh, no mystery. It's because, well, I mean, like you said, everyone's, everyone's done this, but to me in, in Warhammer, we use cheating way too much as a, as a catch all phrase. Like getting a rule wrong is not cheating. It's something that happens to everyone in almost every game. It becomes cheating if they do that on purpose. Uh, if they're like, I think it's strength 10 minus 3 D6 damage. And they're like, really? And they're like, yeah. And they shoot you with it. And then you're like, let's look it up. And you're like, it's strength 5 minus 1, 1 damage. Like, oh, my bad. You know, Right. Like, well, if you did that on purpose, then yes, that's a shitty situation. Um, and that's cheating, but you can never prove it. And that's kind of why it actually pops up in Warhammer. Because someone can just be like, oh, I didn't know. I'm sorry. But then when they do it a whole bunch, you start to kind of catch on to that. Cheating for me in Warhammer is, is intense. It's right. not... Because accidental just happens all the time. Um, and that's where the the situation gets stinky is because Alex has an answer for all of them. And they're all believable. It's not like he's like saying he's mind controlled by a government agency. He's just saying, no, I, I bumped it and picked it up and put it back. But then the, the debate starts to happen where you're like, that's the only dice he picked up the whole game. Right. Uh, it was me shoveling dice off the table the entire time because he sloppily just kept rolling dice into dice and then in my opinion picking up too many um so i was trying to stop that from happening and then if you watch the video it's really terrible my dice is just sitting there next to my guy reaches over picks up the one dice puts it on his side and then later uh without prompt because i don't say anything to him he just puts it back at yeah. three wounds instead of five now again is that a mistake it could be it absolutely could be and, and it, yeah but when people keep having these things happen and you're like, hey, did he cheat? I look at this and I go, God, I'm friends with him on Facebook. I had a really nice time with him. He's he's a really uh, – he's a cool guy. He really is. He's not a bad guy. But I do think if you had to make a call in these situations, he's blurring the lines and he needs to, t to acknowledge that. Yeah. And that's, that's the part of this that kind of sucks because there are people that are missing the point. Like they're like, ah – it's not fair. I don't like the way they went about this. Blah, blah, blah. Like it becomes this discussion, this discussion about the discussion as opposed to there's a guy who's really good at this game and cares a lot, by the way, right? Like he's got glass hammer. He's, he's making content. He's on the ETC team. He's been around for years. This is not some guy that just wa walked in and has got some mean streak. It's a guy that cares so much that he's kind of willing to blur the lines. Someone needs to grab him and be like, there's your slap on the wrist. You need to shape up. You fucking love this hobby. People really like you. But if you keep doing this, you can't be around. And that needs to be real. We can't just keep having these situations happen. Because that was part of the problem, too. The whole British scene, to hold them kind of accountable. That, you know, They'd come up to me and be like, eh, yeah, Alex kind of fucks around. You know, you got to watch him. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, why haven't you guys done anything? Why is it right. that when I get older here, I'm now hearing... Make sure and babysit your opponent and play the final table of this prestigious invitational tournament, which, you know, by the way, you got to be doing your own stuff on at top tier. Otherwise, you're just going to lose. Why did it come to that? Why didn't people self-govern and, and talk about like he's not, you know, if you're on the ETC team, and you have this reputation. 
how the fuck does that happen? Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. I, I, I was, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't know who Alex was before all this happened. I'm sure a lot of people didn't. Um, and like when I felt, well, he's the captain of, you know, team England. I'm like, I mean, how does the, how the fuck does a guy with a reputation like this become the top of team England? Like, how do you let that happen? How does that, is that just the way England plays? And I don't want to disparage all of the UK because I have some listeners in the UK. It's not, it's, it's really, they do have, there is cultural differences where, um, they were talking to a few of our, uh, of our American contingency that went over there. And there's some people just kind of, and this is not official or anything like that. Uh, but there was a the state saying, department level official, you know, you know, communications no. between governments and teams. Yeah. But there is some belief, uh, and I've, I guess it could exist elsewhere, but I've only heard of it there. So take that for what it is, but there's some belief that you should play as fast and loose as you can. And if you're caught, congratulations, your opponents, you know, a smart, witty person, but if not, then they deserve it. That was actually a kind of a, a mentality that doesn't forgive it. That doesn't, and, and by the way, this is not taint all British players because I played, I don't know, seven or eight other British players that had zero issues. They were extremely classy, awesome, enjoyable opponents. Um, and even Alex, like I said, was classy and enjoyable for the most part, other than he was playing so fast and loose. Uh, so, th- so there is cultural differences, I guess. But to your point, if you're the captain of ETC, I would like to believe it doesn't matter what country you're from. The idea is you are the shining beacon of what your team should be, right? Uh, and having that reputation is not it. And I think not just that your team, but, you know, your region, your country, yeah. your, you know, yeah. your, your, if that's the way, and, and I hate to say it, but if, if that's the way some people will take it as, oh, if that's the way they're, they socially play 40K because Team England, that's their captain, that's the way he does and it's considered acceptable, then all British people play this way. You know, and it's a shame, but some people are going to take it that way. And, you know, as you're saying, it's not true. But, you know, if you're saying that there's this culture that says it's okay to play fast and loose until you get caught, it's, you know, you haven't broken a law, you're not even cheated until you got caught. That's a problem. Yep. That's a big problem, you know. And the way to deter that is by having a pretty heavy hand and self-governing, right? So I think we do a fairly good job of that in the States, but to your point, kind of the way you started this podcast is with everything escalating with more tournaments, offering more prestige, more, more prize earnings, people are traveling further. What's at stake is escalating, right? So if, if I go to the, the local shop with my mate, he plays a little fast and loose. I don't really call him on it. I feel kind of crummy. Oh, well, a couple hours of my day got ruined, but if someone's flying to Croatia or England and or they're on the ETC team, it's a really important round. They didn't quite catch the guy enough and they cheated him out of it. That becomes terrible. And then the news coverage of it makes it so that other people reading it are like, well, that's why I don't play Warhammer. I heard that's how everyone is. It's all cheaters and people trying to win at all costs. And if you don't catch them, then you're not going to win. And, and that's why I don't play. Uh, obviously you don't want to go too far down the slippery slope and, and make it into like a dare message where it's like, and that's how pot killed everyone. Like, that's <laughs> really what's gonna happen. But you're going to have some bad experiences. You're going to have people that you just, you just want to put it down where you can, right? Like, uh, my hope is the ETC American team that goes over there represents themselves really fucking well, plays some great Warhammer and does well. You don't want to hear the stories of how they placed last and people were off drunk and vomiting and in, in alleyways and fucking around. And it's like, well, that, that sounds terrible. Yeah. Those crummy Americans being crummy Americans again with their yep. pistols. Boo, 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 cowboy, cowboy. We're getting drunk. Yeah. You don't want to represent yourself that way. Um, 
but also, I mean, we, we kind of, we've gleaned around it. Um, but also there's the discussion of how the tournament, you know, ultimately ended up going. And now I wasn't there, mm-hmm. but you were, but it, it sounds like there were some, almost some horror stories coming out of, of what occurred. Um, you know, uh, Allies of Convenience had uh, Zach on their show to talk yeah. about it. And he, he was, he sounded remorseful about how it, it went down. There was problems with the venue. There was problems with lots of things. And it yeah. just sounds like they just quite just bit off more than they could chew. Yeah, um, 100%. Which happens. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, with people piling on, I mean, l- let's admit where faults went wrong and let's call those out so we can improve next time. But ultimately, we want big tournaments like this to happen. Exactly. Um, and if we just keep piling on, I mean, there is no prize for running a, a tournament. <laughs> no, these guys don't make money. I mean, if they make money, it's negligible. Uh, it's really nice to run a quote unquote profitable tournament, but those profits are a couple thousand at the most, right? At the absolute most. You're, you're paying for next year's tournament. Right. Um, but you know, just kind of, you know, from your perspective, you know, what are the things that, that you saw? I mean, as a consumer of a tournament. Yeah, that you saw. I mean, because ultimately you're a consumer, like you're a customer, essentially, yep. whether they're making money or not. You know, what were the things that, that, that you saw that you were? I mean, we've all seen the memes and everything, but like, what were the things that you saw that you know were um, kind of the most problematic and it could have led to maybe a better time if they had fixed them? Well, bit off more than they could chew is the absolute way to describe it because it was just stuff like the tables were too close. So in a few of the gaming areas. Uh, you know, we've all had that moment where your butt touches another guy's butt or whatever, but when it's an entire tournament of there's no other option than your opponent just being directly behind you and bumping into you the entire time or being next to you, uh, you can't get around the tables because you have to, you know, you just literally can't. It just doesn't make sense. Um, that's pretty inexcusable. That means that you wanted to just maximize profits or not even profits, but like you wanted the biggest tournament possible in a place that probably doesn't sustain that kind of occupancy. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's the stuff that we've kind of grown accustomed to. That's, that's nice. Uh, I think when available, but when you hold a tournament to this standard, when you're, you're advertising it as the LVO or as the Nova of Europe, you don't expect to have this kind of thing go as poorly as it did. And that would be that, there's only one place to get food, so lunch break was not an option. The first day I didn't eat any food because you get there, you're playing Warhammer, and then you've got an hour for lunch, but everyone has that one hour for lunch, and the time's gone, right? Right. Um, so that's a bit of a problem. There was a lack of availability of like water, and it was kind of an unusually hot English couple of days, which they then did rectify. They did bring in water pitchers, so that's nice. Um, and then everyone points to the terrain, um, and that was bad. I think the fact that it's unpainted is just kind of a slap to the face of the hobby, right? If you're going to ask your your attendees to bring painted armies right. and supply them with tables that aren't painted, there's some level of massive failure there. And that, that's no mystery, right? Like, there's nobody that's going to be like, now, hold on here. I've got some opinions on why that's actually okay. No, nobody's saying that. Um, just the narrative pur- purposes alone, you know? I mean, if we're just going to play with gray plastic, okay, then that's fine. But I think part of the enjoyment of the hobby is when you walk to a table, you see nice terrain, good-looking terrain, a thematic scene that you can now play around against someone who also has a well-painted army. You get this, you know, that, that little discussion, oh, cool, that's painted. How did you do that? Or who did it for you? Or, you know, that's yeah. really awesome. That, that Those little discussions, those little things that happen in a tournament that you don't necessarily focus on, but are a big part of, you know, going to a major event is about. 
Yep. Yeah, it's, it's all, like, again, it, it's all about, um, it just goes back to bid off more than you could chew. Because, again, if this is just a local tournament, if it's 25 guys or 30, this is not a, none of this is a big deal. But when you have such an international event that you're telling people is, like, the tournament of the year, and then this is the product you get, that is false advertising. That's a problem. Yeah. And that's going, and, and in Warhammer, the ecosystem, because it's still on the rise, Fragile is not the right word because I think big tournaments are going to happen whether people like it or not. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's just kind of a question of how they get off. But um, this hurts. This hurts. You know, GW saddled up next to him on this. They advertised it heavily. A lot of us flew over there with the expectation like this was going to be one of the big three tournaments of the year. It just absolutely was not. Um, and then you're kind of whenever stuff like this happens around a bunch of negative people, too, because they're upset about it and, and whatnot. And it's just not a good feeling. So. It is what it is. Um, I think even post the event, the way it was handled and discussed is not the best. But um, there's a lot of really smart, caring, and, and compassionate and passionate people around this game and hobby that I think the next London GT, if that's what they call it, I think they're talking about branding it the UK GT to just get away from London because that was part of the problem is there's not many venues, if any at all, in London that can hold this kind of an event. Right. Uh, I bet you the next one's pretty damn great. Uh, I don't know that I would put my name on the line for that, but I would tell you that <laughs> uh, oftentimes fuck-ups like this happen just about once, and then it doesn't happen again. Because if it happens again, then then it really does become a, well, we're done. You know, yeah, then not, it's over. Going back right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, then it becomes the habitual, this is the way you put on your show, and that's acceptable. And, you know, it obviously wasn't, and it still isn't, and you're still okay. It's cool, and you don't care. That's what right. it comes off of, which we know is not true. You know, um, you know, Ray and I have looked into possibly trying to start, you know, do running a GT ourselves, and even here locally, it's finding the venue is it's a massive challenge. Like, how do I fit forty to sixty people in a room? Is there a room oh, big yeah. enough? Is it? Can I get? You know, can I afford that? And you know, ninety percent of the places it's no. <laughs> You can't do that. And then how do you herd 400 cats? And it's a thankless thing, too. Like we said, uh, Zach lost money on this. And I think a lot of people would be quick to say, yeah, you should have. It's like, okay. But at the end of the day, too, uh, it's a really hard thing to do. You're going to have people upset at you even if you put off a fantastic tournament. Sure. There's going to be people that had the worst time of their life, and they're going to let you know about it. Um, so it, this is not to excuse it. This is not to say – you know, don't hold it to a higher standard. It's just to say, be be reasonable about it. Some people, uh, they're responding, you know, it's online, so whatever. Yeah. You can't even hold that as a standard. But just kind of keep that in mind that we need tournament organizers. So let this be a slap on the wrist. Let's make sure and be like, hey, that's unacceptable. But let's give him a chance to improve. Let's give him a chance to put on the tournament that he promised. And if he does, let's all be there to clap him on the back and say, nice job. That's amazing. Because ultimately, Warhammer with a big championship in Europe a big championship in the LVO and, a, and some huge nice tournaments like Adepticon and Nova. That's an awesome Warhammer scene. What wouldn't be okay is if we fucking put this guy to the stake, burn him alive and be like, and that's what happens when you fuck up. And <laughs> like, well, I'm not putting on a tournament. We're like, but we want you to. And you're like, that's horrifying, right? Like I'm not going to do it. So, uh, I know we just got through saying, you know, we weren't going to pile, but Ray insisted. Um, and he says that I, I should ask you to rate um, this uh, tournament on the scale of, hold on, let me find it. Sure. Um, Southern Trailer Park Strip Club 
or on the scale to crazy horse in Las Vegas. So those are strip clubs. Um, yeah. If you were to rate it in that pantheon, where would you find yourself? You don't uh, have probably somewhere in the lines of like suburb of New Jersey strip club. Type of thing. <laughs> uh, it still was really fantastic opponents. I played, uh, it was, it was a huge honor to go to Europe and play Warhammer. They play it very differently, much more meticulous, much more, um, absolutely calculated in the movement of their models, which in 8th edition is really refreshing because a lot of the rules kind of made that seemingly less important, but mm -hmm. obviously still a huge part of the game. And they really emphasized that. Um, it was a different format. Um, and it was still, you know, I, I was playing Warhammer with some of my best friends at a tournament. So I'm guaranteed to have a good time. And I didn't come away from this feeling like the dentist took all my teeth or something like that. Like, I'm, I'm happy. The tournament could have been a lot better. But um, I had a good time. So the tournament couldn't have been that bad, right? Because it, it could have been that you walk in and they kick you in the junk and then that's all you get. But I played some Warhammer against good people and I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied. At the end of the day, boobs are boobs and playing Warhammer is playing Warhammer. You know, and yeah. it, it, it could never be a bad thing. That's right. That being said. So, well, Jeff, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your experience at the London GT. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, I'm hoping. I mean, I'm hoping that we can do this in person at some point, or talk and meet. I hopefully I'll, I'll make my way to a higher table and we can have this discussion face to face. <laughs> <laughs> I should see at the SoCal or BAO or something like that. I assume, right? Yeah, I'll be at SoCal. Uh, I don't know if you're going up to. Are you going to BAO, the Bay Area? Yep. Yeah, uh, I got race tickets. So I'll be up there. I'll make sure to find you and uh, say hi in person. Um, also hammer of wrath, I think is happening sometime this summer as well I don't know if you're right, yeah. to that one as well. So yeah, you will see me around. I'm, I'm trying to get good, but it's, you know, we'll get there. So, <laughs> but, um, but once again, thanks for her coming onto the show. Uh, really, truly appreciate it. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah. But for my listeners, that has been another edition of the veteran gamer reenlisted. I am of course your host, Andy, and I'm joined by one of my new friends, Jeff. Thank you, Andy. All right. Until next time, ladies drink up like Dungeons and Dragons? Well, let me tell you about Broken Knives. Broken Knives is the role-playing games where Picasso was to boxing and Tyson is to art. These two dudes have literally made tens of dollars producing professional-grade content for your gaming table. You can check out their newest series for 5th edition D&D, The Tales of Bentev and the Bard, on dmsguild.com. That's dmsguild.com. Tales of Bentevin is an adventure supplement for the Dungeon Masters. It's about a nefarious bar that seems just like screwing with people. If you're the Dungeon Master, it's basically like harassing your players, but in a playful kind of way. And it's all on dmsguild.com. Also, I've been told I have to say this three times, so it's dmsguild.com. So get the first four Tales of Bentevin the Bard for free on dmsguild.com. Wait, that's four times. Sorry, I went too far. dmsguild. And we're back. Um, we're to the conclusion of the show. You say we're back, so so soft and sultry. And we're back. <laughs> Radio hey. talk show. Hey uh, baby, voice. Hey baby, we're back. Okay, now I'm making me uncomfortable. <laughs> now I'm uncomfortable. I, I told you give me ten minutes, and now I'm back. Got <laughs> 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 a boner again. Let's do this thing. Um, Pop my so, Yohimbe. Yeah, yeah, my Yohimbe. Yohimbe. <laughs> now that you know that it is. <laughs> um, so I hope you enjoyed, and I hope it happened. 
<laughs> the uh, the, the Ohembe or the, the interview with uh, oh, the interview with, with with Jeff in Control Robinson. Yes. Um, we're gonna have next week. Stay tuned. We're gonna have our discuss. We've had a mini discussion about it here. Um, if you have not seen the video or the discussion, go to our um, Facebook page. We have the link there, or go to the London GT Facebook page, and they have the the whole discussion about what happened at the London GT. Um, the and said person's responses. The uh, the <laughs> the the cheating, the alleged cheating that occurred, and um, we have Jeff's response on the show and there's uh the response from the alleged cheater on the show as well. So we hope you um, look at those, watch the videos and see the timestamps and we'll have a rebuttal next week. So be on the lookout for that. But um, to conclude, of course, as we always do, what we have been drinking. I've drank substantially more than you have. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to get day drunk again. <laughs> Because I actually want to get to the store and get shit done. <laughs> you got games to play and I, stuff to I, do today. I don't have time to take a nap and eat a hamburger like I did last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what we've been drinking, the Mike Hess Dynamic India Pale Ale, 7.5 ABV. 12, the can, of course, we talked about this ahead of time. It's unique. It's unique. It's a cup. It's a cup. It's a travel, it's a travel beer in a cup. It's nice. Like, it's a big wide mouth. So you can get like... Drunk faster if you wanted to, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I do think it would make it harder to chug, though. No? No, because... Um, I get, I get like, obviously normal one. Out, yeah. I get that part. But you, like, make the hole on top so I can do it. But when you make the hole on top, you can, like, arc it pretty far and just, like, keep chugging. Yeah. You can't really... You can, like, pour it on your face. Well, that's what you need to go all the way to the top. You just don't tilt it upside down. Well, I'm short, so it's... it's That's, yeah, everything, everything is eye everything level is, for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can see that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what'd you think, tasting it? I liked it. I Something I would definitely drink. I've uh, had... I've been drinking on this for a while. Cause I do, I like, is this India? Is that like India? Like, is that like a way of beer? IPA. Think of an like, IPA. Or is that like where it's from? It's just a style of beer. So the style of beer is from India? I don't know. Well, you're supposed to know these things, Andy. I know you usually depend on me for the knowledge of this. If you're out there and you know this, I don't look it up, and I'm sure you guys are going to send me some things about it. Let me know what an idiot I am. That's cool. I don't mind. I, I just know it's it's more beer flavor, and it tastes good. <laughs> usually, yeah, I, I, usually I, I, I am the encyclopedia of this information. I, I just know I do, it's a style of beer. I do like, or oh, I've re- come to realize that the India, India Pale Ales, I usually like. They're, yeah. I, I like them. They usually have like that citrusy or florally flavor, and that's usually what I when I go and I get stuff, I provide that for you. There's an orange wheat we'll try that I have tried. I wasn't a fan of, but I'll let you try next time. Yeah. That you probably will like. I don't know though. We'll see. Seven point five two or what? Um, I don't remember what the ABV oh. was, but I know it's you. You tend to like those wheat or citrusy style of beers, so you may enjoy this one. Me, it was a little too sweet. Okay. But but we'll give it a try for you. But I figured we'd try this one this time. Um, their, uh, last time I had their grapefruit IPA, fucking delicious. Let's put it out there. So if you're interested in a new beer, try the Mike Hess brand of beers. Um, this one today we're drinking was the India pale, the dynamic India pale. There's a double IPA, which is really good. Probably too strong for you for the IPAs. You may not like that one. If it tastes like dirt, I'm not going to like it. It's not dirt. It's not, no, not dark. It's like a stout. That means, is it like 15 ABV? 
It's usually some. If this one's a standard IPA at seven point, this probably is probably like a nine or an eight point five. It's yeah. just more like punch in the nose kind of flavor. Got it. More of IPA flavor, more bitter. My kiss. More bitter gooder. Yeah, I never heard of this. I never would have tried it unless Jesse Rodriguez like shared it with us. So, That'd Jesse, good. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. So we'll try the orange wheat next week. But that has been another edition of the Veteran Gamer Reenlisted. I am, of course, your host, Andy. And as always, I'm joined by my best friend, Ray. Yep, the American, the fucking America podcast. America podcast. 40K America podcast. Until next time, ladies, drink up. <laughs>